Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. again fellow basement dwellers it is i the lawyer dave ungar coming at you here on the sunday after thanksgiving for the 107th installment of band wagon nerds i hope everybody had a very happy merry jolly whatever adjective you want to use to describe your thanksgiving hopefully everybody got the turkey you wanted and all that sort of thing our fearless leader patrick o'dowd not here today as he's out making real money guys retirement money perhaps at this sure. bowling tournament. Yeah. He's going to come back and just quit his job after he bowls at perfect game today. But I, of course, am not alone as I am joined by the round table. The Knights of the round table are here again today. Let's kick this bad boy off with the live studio audience. The one and only PC Turkey. I mean, PC Tunny. Yeah. The artist formerly known as pizza funny. Ahoy, ahoy, chips, ahoy, gentlemen. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Indeed. Belated Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Hopefully everybody's uh, recovering from your tryptophan-induced coma from the last few days. We are also joined on the bandwagon making his celebrated return. Every time Patrick's out, I throw up the signal for this guy. Nine out of ten times he answers. It is the one and only, the voice of Chair Shot Radio, the one and only Christopher Platt. 
Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, a pleasure to be here. And Dave, I love you because I think you kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. I, I think I would answer more along the 65, 70% tiled you know what i mean <laughs> that's probably fair but i was i was uh inflating the numbers a little hyperbole never hurts here on the bandwagon that's for sure and of course rounding out today's round table is the one and only the reverend mr ray cash uh gentlemen good to see you uh to those listening i hope you had a fantastic thanksgiving and to to my friends of the jewish persuasion especially my good brother dave happy hanukkah Thank sundown you, right I think sundown. So. Sundown. Sundown today. So technically, if y'all listening, it was sundown yesterday. But yes. Yeah. Don't worry, Dave. 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 Lahine, we'll yes. tell you. Don't worry about it. We'll tell you. I need it, somebody to tell me what the Jewish holidays are because I don't. I have no fucking clue what's going on. But I legitimately every friend of mine that is not of a different uh, racial or cultural persuasion, I keep all that on my calendar because that means something to me. So yes, I'm. You'll. I'll always be the guy to hit you up. Make sure you know. We'll, we are definitely in the in the throes of Chris Mahana Kwanzaa season. So, you know, we got to get going. Black Friday came and went. Hopefully somebody got a few deals on something. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. But I, I almost feel like before we get into the part where we lose Ray and Chris for about 20 to 30 minutes here, um, that I, I want to do a, a, a kind of a public service announcement about Bandwagon Nerds. We did tease a couple of weeks ago the DC marvel decathlon which has been disney ruined it the first week then ray ruined it last week and patrick's ruined it this week because we don't want to start the decathlon until we have all the members present oh okay i was like what did i do yeah you just you know you big time this last week patrick's big timing us this week so patrick has said we are starting the decathlon next week we will keep our fingers crossed that it actually gets going so i know a lot of people are out there hey you guys promised us this shit and, you know, we're up to 26 listeners now, and those 26 listeners are pissed. So we got to keep Can them I, honest. I just, I've got a special message from DPP. It says, if the listeners don't like it, they can fuck off. And then you can send your hate mail to add it's me, DPP. So that was from DPP. Which explains why he's not a regular member of the bandwagon anymore, but that's all right. <laughs> I, don't know what his, I don't know what his problem is. You can you can see him n- next Saturday. He's an angry um, he's an angry elf, huh, Tony? He's an angry elf. I don't, you know what's weird is I got home Saturday and I watched the end of the match between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. They did it, Platt. They had a one on one match between those it. two for twelve holes. And afterwards, Fred Claus was on, and somehow they hooked me into watching the next hour and a half, two hours of fucking Fred Claus. Like, good on you, Vince Vaughn, you asshole. Yeah, you are the asshole. You are the asshole, Vince Vaughn. You are. I'm glad we got that straightened out. You know, that's just want everybody to know that. How <laughs> you get that out of his chest, huh? All right. Well, yeah, we're going to get to the part of the show where Chris and Ray go and do some work around the house, have a sandwich, have a few adult beverages, perhaps, because we're going to kick off some lock and key music. We are, Tony and I, we are changing protocol a little bit. We did get the clearance from Patrick to do this, I think, this week, next week, and then we'll finish up yeah. with episode 10 uh, right around the dropping time Witcher comes out. Um, we're yeah, going to do a deuce. Dropping a deuce. We're going to cover episode six and seven. Here today, uh, we'll do eight and nine next week, and then we'll finish up with ten in two weeks' time. But here's some lock and key music to bring you in, and then Tony and I are going to be breaking <laughs> this shit down because we don't need Ray and Chris making it up as they go. So here's some lock and key hey. music, and Tony and I will be right back. 
I love it. Ray Ray and Chris have just muted puts, themselves. Puts, Perfect. Puts me in the mood every time when they tickle those as, ivories. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go take a smoke break. I'll see y'all in 20 again. I don't know yeah. why. I mean, this is the part that pisses me off. Like, I love being on this show and, you know, 6.5 times out of 10 that they ask you from me. watching this show, Christopher. <laughs> and, and 6.5 times out of 10 that they ask me, I'm always here, but there's only a 33% chance of that happening. I, but I think you're doing Steiner math. You're doing Steiner math. I think now, you and Amber would enjoy the show. This is the problem, though. Once Cobra Kai gets back well, and, can I ask and, you and the boys gets back, I'm not ever going to hear anything. Matter of fact, they're probably going to excommunicate me from the chat. Like some shit that okay. I'm actually interested in talking about. They won't have me on, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all know that. You know, I won't we, be you here. know we will. You won't hear these voices. <laughs> you won't Platt, hear the pipes. Chris, Chris, have you ever tried to just, you know, drop in unannounced before? You know you can get in whenever you want to. So don't act like it ain't here for you every single week. So go every smoke break and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, come back when we talk about all this other stuff. But, Ray... You don't care. You 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 still haven't watched this show one lick of it, have you? I mean, I saw it listed on Netflix, and I said, "Oh, there you go. That's the show." And then I kept scrolling. That's progress, I guess, Tony. Right? Yeah, right. it is. Right. It, it just so happens Kevin Hart had some shit out, so that uh, preoccupied us this week. Watch that shit already. Of, of the black <laughs> delegation. You know what I mean? I caught that, and I caught Holly Berry Bruce. I'll both of them. Done. All right. Thanks, guys. But Tony, Tony, and I have serious stuff to talk about because. Lock and Key takes a, a definite turn for the darker in episode six and seven, right, PC? Our, our heroes, things don't go well for them for two episodes in a row, do they? Uh, not really. We're getting towards finding out what's actually going to be happening here. We're, we're making progress. They did slow play it like I, like I thought they would when they went into uh, episode six when Gabe was at the door and they set up a trap, you know, a, a kind of, you know, deceiving gabe and eden eden kind of thinking that you know gabe not realizing he's been played so we we got a lot of interesting things happen we have a character that apparently is gone i i don't know do you think that um what what is her name uh aaron Aaron. or marie or aaron aaron yeah aaron you think she's actually gone gone i mean she got the what is that the eternal ground key or what is that the you know the return to the I, earth key i think she's dead i mean gay broke her neck so i think uh oh, yeah. i think she's gone i think and that was that was the first big blow to the heroes that they had that uh you know the the whole thing at the winter fest with kinsey trying to keep it straight with gabe they end up at the winter fest they end up uh you know kind of hearkening back to the shining a little bit with the whole maze scene in the snow and them trying to find bodie and and jamie running from bodie with the with the backpack with the keys Aaron deciding she's going to try. And we kind of learn how I thought one of the important things is you kind of learn how they can defeat Dodge, which is basically to get her back in the wheelhouse. Cause the, once the echoes back in the wheelhouse, then that's it. So 
Aaron decides that, you know, she's going to show up with the chain key, which they find, and no one knows what it's used for. Aaron lies to Duncan, so she doesn't remember what it's used for, but she remembers what it's used for. And apparently they tried to use this on Dodge previously or something to chain him, her, it, whatever the hell Dodge is, uh, and confine her. But this backfires because Eden is is kind of like a, a hellhound for Dodge, so to speak. And she bails Dodge out of the situation. Dodge breaks Aaron's neck. And then, yeah, she gets sucked back into the ground. So yeah, episode six, not a whole lot went in the in the good guy's direction. That's for sure. So I just watched them back to back this morning. We're recording Sunday afternoon. Was this the episode was six? The one where where um, who's Bodie's uh, friend? Rufus? No, the girl. Oh, Jamie. Jamie, Josh, was this the one kid. where she? Yeah, was this the one where she was holding the glass over that's, Eden? That's seven. Is that seven? I'm sorry, <laughs> I just watched them, so it feels like one big episode to me. And it, um, and it really was because these two combined are like one big, just everything that can go wrong well, for the good guys goes wrong here. Sure, it, it. You're right. Actually, it it is kind of one big episode if you think about where you start at six and where you end up as we go into eight next week it really does kind of change the entire story. I don't uh, You know, if you want to go ahead and walk through that a little bit. Well, yeah, I think at the end of six, we've lost one of the main characters, you know, and, 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 you know, with lock and key, one of the criticisms I hear, and this comes from my niece and nephew who can't watch season one. They don't like season two because it's too YA, you know, by YA, I mean, young adultish. Um, and, and there are you, you okay on that side of the game? You do have to ignore a lot of the melodramatic high school preteen moments, right? It is all set up for that. Like this show, it's it's more geared towards teenagers, you know, early to late teens. That's kind of the target audience here. Although it does have a real interesting aspect as far as science fiction, you know, the use of magic and things of that nature. So it's just a it's just a really interesting story to tell and yes at times it does get you know uh, so a high school soap opera ish if you will i'm just right. not even going to look at you you're not going to i thought chris yeah, was I, going i thought chris I, was going for a smoke not brushing his beard Fuck. yeah um yeah i mean the ya stuff of it is 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 like you're saying there's a lot of elements you you feel elements of harry potter but at the same time there's a lot of spider-man far from home or homecoming that have that same sort of high school angst turmoil element to them so i don't fault them for that i understand this might not be everybody's cup of tea but when aaron dies you get a real significant turn towards the dark side because they don't kill a lot of characters all that often or you don't see it this is the most graphic death that i think we saw in the first two seasons i mean gabe breaks her freaking neck honey yeah it is kind of a, a very morbid happening and we do see the transformation of gabe back and forth a little bit with the chains being used back into an echo you know very demon-esque kind of creature although eden's the demon correct and gabe slash dodge is an is an echo so right as we move forward we find out how that can actually be vanquished and, and what they need to do and and why that chain key is 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 such a huge thing because you can basically lead around whoever you have under control of that. And just by tightening up the grip, that's got to be at some way used as we move into nine and 10. We also found out throughout these two episodes, I'm just going to bring it up now. I can't remember which one it's from, 
that they all realize, I think it's the right away. They all realize as, as Bodie comes back from Nebraska, that Ellie is the one they threw in the door. Ellie's the one that they killed. Right. And, you know, before Aaron goes and, and is taken away from them, she reminds them along with Duncan, whose memory is back that it's not their fault. This is Dodge's fault. You know, don't feel, you know, feel, feel bad that they're gone, but don't feel remorseful. Like it was your fault. Right. And, Another big aspect of episode six before we move to seven, because I think seven is probably the bigger episode, uh, is the fact that Tyler wants to use the memory key on Jackie and she opts not to have it done to her, Tony, which really puts their relationship in a status where I don't think these two can persist, um, at least not right now with that, with Tyler having memory of magic and Jackie knowing full well that she could maintain her memory of this, but doesn't you know, the thing where she asked Tyler about, you know, is it everything, is it all this beautiful? And he's like, yes, but some of it's not. And the, some of it's not aspect of things is what convinces Jackie that she doesn't want the memory key used on her. And that's a significant moment. I thought in this series, because that really impacts their relationship moving forward. Well, it almost seems as if there's not going to be much more than a friendship moving forward. Whereas right now it was pretty serious. They seemed like they wanted to pretty much find out whether or not they could stand the test of time together, even though they're this young, you know, I, I just think you could see Tyler kind of politely pulling himself away from the relationship, you know, knowing that this isn't what he wants because he's going to want to continue to know what's going on with the magic. And he's going to want to be able to share that as he moves on and grows older. So he thought he had that one, but he doesn't want to go against her wishes, which shows that he's, he's actually a good guy. You know, somebody more selfish may have, done it anyway without she wouldn't have remembered anyway so and i think you hit it exactly on the head his reaction to that looked like somebody pulling away and, and reconciling himself with the fact this isn't going to work doesn't mean we have to be enemies but um you know and we'll be friends but we can't be more than that so um i i tend to agree with you there seven is the bigger episode because of the fact that they put this plan this elaborate plan into yep. into play to try and get gabe slash dodge back to the well house and eliminate Dodge from the equation. Um, and for a while, it looks like it's going to work out really well because they use the, uh, the dollhouse key to have Jamie trap Eden in, in under a drinking glass, you know, and this is great until Josh shows up and basically is like, what the hell are you doing with my dollhouse? Where did you get this key? Makes her let go of the glass. Eden escapes. And then from there, all hell kind of breaks loose, but not exactly because Dodge slash Gabe figures it out because for some reason they use the anywhere key to open the well house. He sees a bird fly out and he realizes the gig is up. Yeah. And this is all done under the juxtaposition of shooting the sequel to the movie. Scott's there. Gabe does question where the rest of the crew is. Gets some interesting, you know, he's still kind of testing the waters, hoping that he's not been that, that Eden hasn't been right, that he's been getting played the entire time, which he has, but they just couldn't hold the two back. Right. Um, it's it's interesting to see how powerful they are. It's interesting to see where it's going to go from here. I I love the end of this episode, not to just keep jumping ahead, but yeah, the scene where they try to make this happen, it it really backfires on them. Uh, Duncan gets abducted uh, along with Bodie, who's under the chain key. Um, so you know we're left wondering what's going to happen there. Eden and Tyler, uh, or not Eden, Kinsey and Tyler are waiting, wondering where to go to find them right with, with Scott. So they end up driving out there and 
go ahead and take it from there because that's yeah, kind of where you left off. Duncan, yeah, like you're saying, Gabe traps Bodie with the chain key. Um, and and basically it's extortion. He tells Duncan, you know, Duncan doesn't want anything to happen to, to Bodie. And Gabe's like, you know, you make me this key, I'll let you guys both go. Because I don't give a shit about you guys. I just care about won't the matter. key. Won't so, matter. I'll let you guys both. After. So it's interesting because you get to figure out exactly how Duncan makes the keys and that you have to imbue it with your intention. So Gabe has to tell him what his intent is. They don't tell you while it's happening. Although once the key is made and then he turns Javi, the hockey player into. So here's, here's the thing that I realized about this, this key. I don't know. I guess we'll call it the demon key. Cause that seems like what it yeah. is, Tony is that yeah, demon key. This, key, demon key. this key enables Dodge to make demons without that metal having to come into them. So she's bypassed the Omega door and what's well, it's behind in the that. Key. Yeah. It's in the key. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Right. Right. It's in the key. It's been solidified with locked blood. You know, it's interesting to me though, why Duncan couldn't just change what he wanted the key to be. Well, that's what I'm wondering if, if kind of like and Ray, I hope Ray's listening because he'll appreciate this part. Like where Hank Pym put a fail safe into Ultron in the age of Ultron series that in the future, that's how they defeat Ultron because it was a back door that they used to get in there and take Ultron down. I'm wondering if when Duncan made this key, if he did something with the process of making that, that there's a fail safe that they can use to their advantage because yeah, like you're saying, Tony, it's all Duncan. He's the only one who knows how to make the key. Dodge doesn't know what he thought. He had to think of his intent in there. So, yeah, could he have put something into that intent that made the key do what Dodge wanted, but have a failsafe in there as well? So that's what I'm hoping, because at this point, they're at the, when this episode ends, they get Duncan back, they get Bodie back, they get the hell away from Javi, uh, and Dodge is like, let's make a few more of your friends. And that's where we leave off with the idea that Dodge is going to make an army of these demonic bastards. We're going to just, you know, who knows what, and we still don't know what Dodge's end game is. Are you just like trying to watch the world burn or is there a bigger plan in place here for Dodge? And you don't really know that. All you know is that right now with three episodes left, the advantage has shifted entirely to Dodge and Eden and this army of darkness that they're about to create. Well, that's the wild card though with Eden. Is Eden going to betray Dodge at some point? to save the locks because Dodge screwed Eden over by leaving her there. Right. So, and hasn't treated her well at all. Although she deserved everything she's gotten for the most part, considering, you know, the nature of the character that she has, but we'll see what happens to me. That's the wild card moving forward. I'm really interested to see what happens. I believe Christopher Platt, um, has been attending broadcasting school and apparently he has a dynamite drop in. I'm just saying, man, I don't think that you need to worry about the locks getting destroyed. I mean, they basically destroyed, mopped the floor up with Dipset in their versus battle a few months ago. I, I think that the locks are going to be just fine. Jada Kiss is still an elite spitter. Styles P can rap. Sheik is cool. They're, they're, the locks are going to be just fine. Don't worry about well, the locks, okay? Maybe the Black Keys. Yeah, but maybe the maybe the maybe the black keys we got to worry about them because I I haven't heard any new music from them lately. So they, they, I, I would be more concerned with the keys as opposed to the locks. Fun, That's all I'm saying. Fun fact: our interest music for uh, bandwagon nerds sounds like a perfect mix of the black keys and the white stripes. 
look at us bringing colors together. Yeah, I, shout out to Jack White, man, underrated guitarist, I think, in my humble opinion. Shout out to me for coming up with that music. Well, we don't a... you need more people. I really thought my my heart, my bringing Hank Pym and Ultron into this conversation would would kind of assuage Ray Cash from really shitting on this whole thing, and and maybe even get him a little bit interested. He's like, damn. Dave's bringing Age of Ultron into lock and key. Maybe I do need to check this shit out. It's for for the record, I didn't start the nonsense. I only followed. Are you on Witcher, Ray, or no? No. 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 Flash, that one you Flash Jordan Ray, Wrestle, WrestleMania 3, no, no, no. Lock and Key, anything? Ray. Ray, give give the first episode of it's only one season you have to catch up on because we're gonna cover it on the show. Give the first episode a try. It's with Henry Cavill. It's really good. Do not watch it with your daughters. It's adult, but it's funny and it's good. And Just try it. Stick with it till Jennifer kind of gets. Stick with it till Jennifer gets her transformation. You'll appreciate that. Yeah, Ray. Ray didn't start the fire. It was always burning since Platt's been turning. Okay, shout out Billy Joel. Start the fire. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think at this point we can leave the world of lock and key behind and, and get into this aspect of the show, which is kind of like, okay, so we're pulling back the curtain a little bit here. Ray held onto the arrow this time. Perfect. We did. We are going to honor our esteemed leader's wishes against, against the, the wishes of everybody else on the show and not do a full review of Hawkeye season one and two or episode one and two, but we are going to talk about it because we're going to save a full review for the bandwagon nerd review. Uh, this is kind of this segment that I kind of did because in the chat this week, we've all been talking about shows that we're watching and I kind of wanted to get, go around the table and get our thoughts on, on a, about four or five of these things that are going on. And of course, first and foremost, you got to talk about Hawkeye episode one and two Hawkeye episode one and two dropped this week. Ray cash, a massive Hawkeye fan, Shooting yes. his arrows and everything. He was really looking forward to it. We all were looking forward to it. Um, so, Ray, I, I want to give it over to you without doing like a blow-by-blow blow review. Your overall thoughts on Hawkeye Episode 1 and 2, um, how you thought that they that they went. Did this story grab you? Does it, Are you a fan of the tracksuit mafia? You know, that whole thing. What do you, what do you think of the first two episodes, Ray? The tracksuit mafia, one of the fun groups. They're like stormtroopers, they aren't they? Yeah, but if stormtroopers were stupid and said, well, they're stupid. See? If stormtroopers said bro all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like were like a horrible Italian stereotype. It's bad, but it's hilarious. Um, I'll, so two quick things. Number one, it's everything I wanted, given the MCU. So far, being a diehard Hawkeye fan, being a fan that's bought almost every Hawkeye comic over the past 15 years, it's just about what I want. It can't be a perfect mix of the comics because too many things have changed. Barton is a married man and like an ultimate universe instead of being like Dick Grayson-esque and fucking everybody, right? Stuff like that. Okay. Um, the other thing is that bothers me is it, it, it got some really weird and bad reviews on certain situations. And that I have, I don't begrudge anybody for not for liking or not liking what they want to. That's your choice. But you know, I hate critics in the sense of, I hate the idea of, of, of a critic. Like, we all are critical, but I hate the idea of a person that just, that their entire job is to critique art. And the reason I hate it is because most critics, if not all, criticize from a subjective point of view, an objective point of view. So, so many people 
and I, I understand I may be in the minority here, but this is l- quite literally transcribed from the pages of David Fraction's comic, of Matt Fraction's comic, the Hawkeye comics, right? So I get everybody hasn't read that, but people are, some, some of the complaints are of, of the tracksuit bros or of um, Clint and Kate's banter and things of that nature. That's literally word for word transcribed from the comics. So it's like, if you don't like it, cool, but don't say it's bad. Or some people are saying, well, I, Marvel's, Marvel's ruined uh, uh, this or that, or well, they had to give Hawkeye a, a show because he's not important. You know how many times Hawkeye's been the leader of the Avengers in the comics? Mm-hmm. So it's like, just have your opinions, but don't, if, you, if you're not speaking from a place of, 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 of intelligence or knowledge, then admit that. Just say, this is my opinion. I don't like it. Don't sit here and say, well, Marvel's failed. And now all these shows that they're doing, it, it, that pisses me off. Because don't be disrespectful. People are saying, I heard one, I heard, I heard one, one dude say that if uh, Barton wouldn't have, wouldn't have been um, at the bunker when Loki came to get the Tesseract, he wouldn't even be an Avenger. Barton was the first one. He was the, he was the guy leading S.H.I.E.L.D. underneath Colson and Hill and uh, what's my one in the Fury. So like, it, it just annoys me. It's really fun. It's really good. And what it, I think we call it Die Hard in the MCU. Essentially, that's pretty much accurate. Pretty much. I, I think, um, Chris, did you see Hawkeye? Have you seen the first two episodes? I, I, I'm, yes, I did. And I'm glad that you, you threw to me, Dave, because I, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of something Ray said, said rather in regards to critics. I don't have a problem with critics per se. My bigger issue is that the bar has been lowered to the point that anybody with a computer yeah. and, and, a po- and opposable thumbs is now able to call themselves a critic. So now yeah. in this new world, you've got a bunch of people whose point of reference to this material or to anything in general doesn't even go back 20 years. And 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 they're, you know, lauding themselves as experts. Like you don't even have to be good at your job anymore. You don't have to be accurate. You don't even have to make good points. You just have to be the loudest. And and, mm-hmm. and that's that that's that's what the world that we're in now. So I don't yeah. And and that 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 goes across all genres, really. That that irritates me. But um as far as as Hawkeye, uh, number one, this is how lame uh, I am, how lame and washed I am. So we we uh, read the synopsis. We watched this on Thanksgiving as my lady and I were cooking, and we read the synopsis, and we saw the tracksuit mafia. So we both immediately went and ran and threw on our Adidas tracksuits oh to be prepared God. for the episode. Y'all ain't run DMC, bro. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Ready show did, toes. Man. We did. But overall, man, I, I thought it was an entertaining two episodes, and it left me one more, which is the the hallmark of any good form of entertainment. I like where they're going with the character. The Kate Bishop thing kind of gave me lesbian vibes. I, I, I think that's probably to make it a little more contemporary, you know, considering that the, the, the times we're in. But, I mean, that's not a problem. It's, it's whatever. But, no, this was fun, and it was good to see Clint again. I liked, to see, I liked seeing the interaction with his family. I know we can't get too far into it, which sucks, because I actually watched this, and now I can't even talk about it on here. So thanks, fellas. You can talk but about yeah. it. I just, I just want to avoid doing a full review, because once Patrick gets back, he's not going to want to do that for episodes three, four, five, six. But you can get into any aspect of it you want, man. Knock yourself out. I mean— I mean, the the bottom line is, man, I'll, I'll keep it very brief, is that these two episodes were here to introduce the new character, yeah. i.e. I. Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. and to set the table for what we're going to get here on out. 
And I thought they did an excellent job of both of those things. You know, we we knew exactly who Kate Bishop was within the first seven minutes of the episode. We knew everything that we needed to know about her. That's hard That's to good do, storytelling. too. That's yeah. really hard to do. Yeah. So it was excellent storytelling, man. And I'm here for this, man. And and I'm here for the ride. I'm going to buckle up and, and sit back and enjoy what they give me. Tony, I assume you watched the first two episodes. I have not had time yet to watch this, so... Oh. Hey! Well, it ain't so fun when the rabbit got Tony's the gun. Go, now, Tony's going it? out for a smoke now, so... Well, it came, out, it came out Wednesday. I've been kind of busy since then, so I apologize, yeah. but uh, I, yeah, am very much, I am very much going to get to it, so... My, my thoughts... Tony, my, my salute to you, though. You're doing God's work right now, That's man. Right. God bless you. you seriously. You seriously. Are. I might even bullshit you. Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> um... My thoughts on the first two episodes of Hawkeye, I love like the, the as soon as they flash back to New York in 2012, you just knew, oh shit, this is where the Shatari invasion takes place. And and I thought they did a really good job bringing that in and just what an influence Hawkeye was on Kate Bishop and why she wanted to be an archer. And and you do get the introduction of her. You get they bring they bring elements of the movies uh, kind of full circle. The Ronin costume, you know, that was a big deal how Kate ends up with that costume, what that costume means to Hawkeye himself, to Clint Barton. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I, as soon as he sees the costume, he's got to go on attack mode. So much so to the point that he's willing to jeopardize missing Christmas with his family. And you got to assume this is the first Christmas since the, uh, since the blip mm-hmm. took place, right? So mm-hmm. you've got that going on. It, it is It is everything that you could want as far as the, the development of the relationship between Kate and Clint, because that becomes a very strong relationship and, and, and a passing of the torch in many ways. At some point, you got to figure they're moving in that direction, right? Ray to pass the torch from Absolutely. him to her. Well, so the, so the beauty of it is um, they both use the term Hawkeye. Clint never goes away. It's just, they're both considered. They share the term. Um, so she's definitely going to go forward going forward be very important but i think like much like vision and wanda and strange i don't think in thor i don't think barden is gone i don't think he's going to go retire and live on the farm you'll still see him but um just want to touch on one more thing real quick that you made me think about the calling card for hawkeye the series not just the tv series but the comic that it is pulled from was essentially um life what life looks like for a regular Avenger. All the rest of the Avengers we know, are, especially comic-wise, are mutants or gods or super-powered rich people or some superpower. Even Widow has some type of super soldier serum in her veins in the comics. And Hawkeye's a dude. So that was the, the appeal of the show. And I think that's kind of the appeal of the TV show. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to most going forward in the next five episodes are Clint's kind of Clint's um, reconciliation with PTSD when he's watching, because that's a big thing in the comics, when he's watching uh, the Avengers um, Rogers the musical. musical. Yeah. I could do this all day. By the way, I, I put the song in the chat. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you can see him when he sees Nat. He goes and he like almost loses it. When he sees the Ronin costume, he loses it, like you said, Dave, to the point where he's like, no, fuck them kids. I got to get this costume back. And so it's I think it's cool to see the one Avenger that we know who is really as human as human gets 
have to reconcile and live a regular life. You, you don't see that with Tony. You don't see that with Cap. You can't definitely don't see it with Thor or, or, or Banner, right? So I think that's the coolest part of the series is these are the just like another reason why uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier hit so hard, especially for people of of the African American persuasion. Sam wasn't going to get a damn loan, you know what I'm saying? So it's cool to see these people who we look at as heroes and in sense in a sense gods, and then like, well, what happens when you're not working? And I think that is a, a, a something of interest massively to me. That was what hooked me on the series and then got me 100% hooked. So just keep keep up with that. You see Clint already has the 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 um, hearing aid because Clint is notoriously deaf in the comics. So you see that. I just think they're really playing it well. And they're changing just enough to match what the MCU has built over, 20, uh, over 15 years. But enough to kind of still make people like me who read the comics feel good about what they're saying. Also, at the end of episode two, Echo shows up for the first time, Maya Lopez, who was the first Roman. There you go. Okay, so she's she's who's at the end of that episode. That's Echo. Yes. Got it. Yes, that's that's Echo. That's Maya Lopez. So I I want to turn this over to you and Chris, because how many episodes is the season? Six or seven? Five. I mean, seven, 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 five more. Okay, five, five more. Yeah. Um, Yelena Belova, you got to figure she's showing up somewhere in here, right? Or, or is she? What do you think, Ray? Does she show up based on the end of Black Widow? It sure seemed like we were going in that direction. Do you see that happening in the next five episodes, or what's your feeling about that story arc? Or is that something they're going to say for the movies, or is she coming? It's it's too much to do a proper standoff because we still got to meet the clown. Fry the clown, and who's a, a, a killer. We still got to figure out what happened to Kate's dad. We still got to see Jack Duskang turn into the swordsman. There's way too much that's happening that's got to happen in this series to just throw her in there and let her be almost secondary, right? It's no different than with WandaVision. We were all like, well, Doctor Strange got to come. It's not, it's too much, not, it's too much going on. But I would not be shocked if you see her maybe make a quick appearance in like, a post-credit scene or something. But they're definitely going to have something, I think, in a movie coming up. I don't know what. I don't know when. Or but do you, that, that seems to be too big of, of, uh, of Clint and Natasha to be the humans. And I'm, I know Tony's a human. I don't count him as a human. Clint and Natasha, to be the humans, played such a pivotal and big part of the MCU proper from day one, Right. So that's going to be a big, that's too big, I think, to just throw at the tail end of a series. Unless they end the series on that with them meeting up with each other. And that's how season one ends. Assuming well, they're going to have a season two, that'd be a hell of a cliffhanger, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you guys literally just stole the words out of my mouth. That's what I'm looking at, man. Best case scenario, it's the Easter egg at the end of this series. And then maybe we that it gets fleshed out more in the movies. But yeah, that, that's what I see happening, if anything. Yeah, it's it's a cool series. I mean, I you know, I know there's a a a belief in 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 a narrative going around about, you know, Marvel oversaturation and some backlash that, you know, in the bandwagon nerds chat, Pat and and me and Ray have both based all of us have basically said we're not gonna give that any more media attention than it needs to be because we're kind of sick of listening to it ourselves. Like if you don't mm-hmm. like it, don't fucking watch it. 
It's like, stop being a WWE fan and bitching about this. You don't like it. Don't fucking watch it. So that's kind of where, where we're, we're at right now with Marvel. Um, moving on to other stuff that we watched. Is anybody watching wheel of time? Oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I, I apologize, Dave. Just real quick, man. I just had to give props to uh, Vera Fergama. And I know I just butchered her last name, but she is Flamingo. absolutely. Thank you. She is absolutely wonderful in everything that she does. And I get excited anytime she pops up on my television screen. So this is going to be no exception. So I'm looking forward to her as well as Linda Cardellini, who yes. I've been a fan of since Freaks and Geeks. Now in her adult acting career, she's kind of settled in as the perfect wife. She basically plays like the perfect wife in everything she's in now, but she's perfect for that role as well. So I, I get excited anytime I see either one of those women on my screen. They're absolutely that's, phenomenal at what they do. That's all good and true, but you get excited anytime a stiff breeze rolls into town. So we'll just keep that in one. Yeah. No hey, man, leave, leave my personal life off the airwaves, Tony. Shit. Hey, Chris, you ever seen that video for Jizz in My Pants by the Lonely Island? That's. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I was about to say, you, y'all saw that video? Yeah. That got out? That was the autobi- oh, autobiography hey. of Chris Platt right there. Hey, hey, man, I was excited, okay? And think these things happen, all right? Sometimes you fire blank. Sometimes, I'm just saying. Moving on. So, uh, Dead Man Watcher, whatever the hell you were talking about. Yeah, Dave. jizz in my pants. On to, uh, <laughs> is anybody else watching Wheel of Time other than me? Let me p- throw that out there right now. I, yeah, so if you I remember, love Vanna White. That's a different wheel of time, but anyway, what <laughs> Ray, what's up? If you if you remember when we when we first brought it up and we saw the trailers, I told you I'm intrigued. Um because I think the trailers were interesting enough. And that is a show that I look like I'll binge. But you can speak to this. It is not getting reviewed. Uh I don't know. I have I don't pay attention to this stuff. I mean it's more critical bullshit that people are I what are the reviews saying? I, I don't remember specifically but i i just remember seeing like i remember seeing articles saying that amazon is so, is so disappointed that they might not even do a season two type stuff wow i i'd not heard that i mean here's here's my thought i mean they i'll were, pull up the article while you talk man yeah they were like i thought greenlit for several seasons or something like that but here's the pro here's the thing with wheel of time i like the show just fine i will say this though when wheel of time does the world building stuff and they're telling the story and they're doing the narrative and it's, and it's dialogue heavy and they're trying and wheel of time's got a big problem when you're talking about so many books and so much content that you are trying to funnel in and compress into one hour episodes or you're taking like two or three books and trying to make it into one episode uh, stuff's going to get lost in the, in the narration where wheel of time doesn't do so well is the slowdown moments when they are really world building and they're telling the story. It's too slow for my liking. It's not that it's bad. It just kind of grinds to a halt. However, when the action picks up, especially like this week's episode where you've got the big showdown between the Aes Sedai and Loghain, who's the false, supposedly the false dragon. And, and then you've got, you know, claiming to be the dragon reborn. And then you get Nenave who, demonstrates power that no one knew and people who I know have read the books and I've read some of the books in the graphic novels um, were like, uh, I don't think she had that kind of power in the actual books. So, you know, most of us who've read the books and, and read some of the graphic novels or comics, whatever you want to call them, we already know who in the books becomes the dragon and watching this episode of wheel of time. It's like, okay, they're kind of doing an MCU sort of thing, you know, where they're, 
maybe they're switching what's in the books and they're coming up with something different to keep you guessing and to keep you off balance as to, well, maybe they're not going to go in that direction and make this character who's in the books, who ends up being the dragon reborn and do that in the series. So it's, I enjoy the series. It is far from perfect. Um, It's just, I think that they are buckling under the weight of the source material. And that's a big Mm -hmm. problem is there's so much source material that when you're trying to tell a story at a decent enough pace where you're not losing the content at the sake of telling the story, it's a problem. And I think wheel of time has that problem. It's a very good show though. I mean, it'll, it'll keep you interested. I mean, I'm definitely interested to see what happens next. Um, and the acting's fine and and that sort of thing, but, uh, go ahead, Ray. I was going to say some of the criticisms that you kind of touching on were that it's, it's such a vast history of things to kind of pull from. Um, there were complaints that apparently the, the, the characters were aged more than they were in the books, which is a thing that, that that's bothering people. How, um, how do you tell a romance story involving nine and 12 year olds? Right. That doesn't work. I'm, it, eh, not with Brooke Shields in uh, what Blue was it, Lagoon? Blue Velvet or Blue Lagoon? <laughs> yeah, that was a little I, weird. You but. can do it if you look at these young adult movies and show, shows, but with what Will of Time seems to be, you I don't think it, you can do it visually. You know what I mean? Right. Because like you've seen all these young adult movies, like The Fault in Our Stars and things like that. They're all about kids and they work, but they're they're fantastical, but they're not. If Will, of Time, if, if Will of Time is anything similar to Game of Thrones, and I don't mean necessarily from the the the, the sex and violence aspect, but still, it, just in context, you can't do that. So I get it, but you know how, but you know how comic and and, and literary fans are. We wanted exactly how we we thought we were going to see it from the from the books or the, or the source material. The only and re- sometimes you just got to accept it's not possible. Right. The only real similarity between Wheel of Time and Game of Thrones is it's based on. Uh, on heavy books, voluminous volume, you know, voluminous works, even, you know, Song of Fire and Ice is not done yet and maybe never will be done. Whereas Robert Jordan uh, died before Wheel of Time was finished, but it was he already had passed on to whoever his successor was. And I forget who it was as to how he wanted it to end. So all the successor had to do. I know how it ends. I just have to get us there. And he did a damn good Mm. job with that. So hopefully Amazon sticks this out a little bit and lets this play out because it is a good story. They are just facing a very difficult task to try and, and, and make this digestible and have it make sense and keep people's interest. The luminous volumes of the vehicle. That's how you do that. volumes of the volume. Yeah. Something of the vehicle of the vehicle. Thank you. Yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you, Chris. They're good for season two. I believe season two has already been greenlit. And they have the beauty of being on Amazon Prime, which with all the money behind Amazon and that massive catalog that they have, because if you grab Amazon, you have it. I think they'll have a lot more leeway than they would have been with like Netflix that's depending on their subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, so hey, I think Amazon they, I think they'll be good. Amazon doesn't care losing a couple mil. Fuck it, whatever. No, not at all. Not, tax not one bit. Tax right. Yeah, exactly. And, and it will be but, good. It'll be good for them from the state because that Lord of the Rings series is coming. And that's going to, yes. and this feels to me four episodes in definitely feels more Lord of the Rings than anything remotely close to game of Thrones. And I think okay. maybe they can learn from this series. What works here? What might we want to change for the Lord of the Rings series? I think those two will play off of each other. They're going to be very similar. 
Um, as far as world building, the worlds are very similar. You know, the Dark One, Sauron, or whoever the fuck is going to be in the Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of similar symbolism. You know, you like I heard like the Fade, which is like a faceless creature wearing a black cloak in in, in Wheel of Time, has been compared to what if happened if you mixed the Ring Wraith from Lord of the Rings with Voldemort from uh, Harry Potter, and oh. yeah, I mean, it, frightening creatures to be sure. And I know Pat had said last week I'd asked him about the special effects and his concerns about that, which are valid. The Trollocs are a little, eh, you know, <laughs> they're not. It's not the greatest version of CGI when we compare that to like a, a trailer we're going to talk about in a little while, um, night and day as far as what they're doing. But I want to leave Wheel of Time behind and get into some other stuff that I know we've all been watching. I know one of them Ray is very high on. I want to put this out to you guys first. Has anybody but me seen Eight Bit Christmas yet? Not yet. It's on the list. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That's on what Paramount, yeah. right? No, HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. No, that's yeah. HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen okay. it yet. I've got me, so many of them. I don't know which. Let me tell you guys on. this. I will tell you guys this. If we do a nerd review, I will give this a five out of five, which is virtually impossible oh, wow. for a movie Whatever. made in twenty twenty one. It is. My wife has, and I, and I was wrestling. You know, t- think about it. Is it a four and a half? Is it a four point seven five? Talking to my wife about it today, she says it is a new Christmas classic for her. She says it's Christmas story, then it's this movie. That should tell you how good this movie is. It is fantastic. I, I, has, I, she, has she heard of Home Alone? Yeah, she's heard of Home Alone as well. But she, look, I will say this, and I, and I know Patrick was going to watch it with Connor, and I haven't got his thoughts on it yet. I'm curious what he thinks. The movie's fantastic. It, it, you know, Neil Patrick Harris is the main character and talking to my wife about this, Neil Patrick Harris probably underrated as an actor, which doesn't seem possible, oh, but he is. And he is fantastic. This movie is such an homage to Christmas story. And there's some Princess Bride mixed in there as well. So they oh, have got to watch. They have blended aspects of these two movies together perfectly. But the great thing about it, what I love most about this is that. If you love Christmas Story, you will love this movie. But they do things differently. They they pay homage to homage to Christmas Story, but they never go all the way to just flat out copy it. They tease the whole time. I mean, in wrestling parlance, there are so many false finishes in this movie that you think this is how he's going to get because it's all about the '80s and the story is all about how Jake Doyle played by Neil Patrick Harris as an adult and then as a kid, they all want this Nintendo entertainment system. This is like 1987, 88. And there's classic lines. Anybody who wanted a Nintendo in the late 80s is going to resonate. This is movie is going to resonate massively gotta, with you. Watch. And the whole thing... What's that, Tony? No, go ahead. Go ahead. So go ahead. The go whole ahead, thing is ahead, about them and how they go about trying to get this Nintendo entertainment system. And, you know, and there's funny stuff where he's and he's telling his daughter this story. So the story aspect is like where the grandpa's telling Fred Savage's character in Princess Bride this great story. And at the beginning, Fred Savage isn't so interested, which mirrors his daughter here. And by the end, she's fully engrossed, just like Fred is in Princess Bride. So they do a fantastic job of integrating that. But the story is really about how he tries all, everything that he goes through to try and get this Nintendo and they tease so many points in it where you think it's going to end like Christmas story. And it never really does. And that's the great part about it is you think, here's how it's going to happen. Nope. Here's how it's going to happen. Nope. That's not it either. 
and you just you just like how is he actually you start saying how is he actually going to get this thing and then the end is brilliant how they how they actually explained it all away and the beautiful part of it is despite all the great stuff all the funny stuff going on um they they rag cut tony remember when the power glove came out and, and how people were amped for that there's the power glove in this movie and an accurate there, depiction of it too there's there's a whole ton of great documentaries too on like the nintendo wars back in the day sega nintendo wars you can go on and watch some of the nintendo events and tournaments they had back in the day on on your various amazons and whatever you search for them but like i totally relate to this because i believe the the early launch was in an 85 in america like didn't really come out till 86 and then like i, I I don't know if it was 86 or 87. It's still hard to get one, right? So I'm like six years old. So I don't know. Well, it's it great because like at the yeah, you're doing what he does in the movie, Tony. And this is this is why you have to watch this because right. he's telling his daughter. Well, yeah, he goes, I, I'm the I'm the same age basically yeah. as this guy because this is literally what happened to me. Yeah. And my mom has told me about it is I was promised I was going to get one. And they didn't have one until Toys R Us called them on Christmas Eve. And they literally went and picked it up at like quarter after 11 at night, Christmas Eve. And like my parents were divorced. So I was at my dad's at the time. So my mom is going to pick up the present that she had no idea was going to be there. <laughs> that she had promised would be under the tree the night before at 11 to 15 PM. So awesome. yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that can relate to that story, yeah. that exact story. And he's like, the year, the year was 1987. He goes, or was it 1988? And, and he's like going through his head. Okay. The bears won the super bowl in 80, 85, 86. And the daughter's like, does it matter? And he's like, okay. Yeah. The year was the late eighties. And he's like talking about Pretty driving. O- he's talking about riding over to his friends on his bicycle. And the daughter's like, were you wearing a helmet? And she goes, oh, yeah, we always he wore helmets been, in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, he must, he must have been older than I was because I was six. So it was Christmas of 87, yeah. I remember. So I, the great thing was he had also rented, um, in hopes of getting it, they had rented uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out from Blockbuster. So that was great to play. Yeah, I, I don't want to say any more because I don't want to ruin it other than I cannot recommend this movie enough. If you want something that a modern movie that actually – you know, and like I told my wife this morning, it's 2021. Our society is so fucking jaded about anything involving Christmas spirit for a movie to actually capture the spirit of Christmas and be funny and pay, you know, and, and do, you know, honor Christmas story as much as it does honor princess bride as much as it does. You can tell, see the influence in that, but not carbon copy it, but still have enough of it that you can relate to it. And you're just always kept off balance. It's a phenomenal movie. I cannot recommend this movie enough. You guys have got to watch it. And I would love to hear your thoughts about it. You know, just message me, whatever you think. Uh, it is a new Christmas classic. You know, I'd say, yeah, Tony, it's right. Christmas story, home alone, um, Christmas vacation. This is in my top five. I got to say this would be wow. in my top five. It is that wow. damn good. Wow. That's that's high, high praise. Seriously. And. I, I like the premise, man, I, and and I might be a little biased here because much like Tony, I, I too as, am an '80s baby. I mean, Tony and I are the same age. He, he'll constantly remind me I'm a couple of months older, but you know he can kiss my ass on that. But I, I think that there's a lot of fertile ground for '80s 
stories. You know what I mean? That's really my main critique of the Wonder Years reboot. I don't have a problem with the Black family, but I think that it, they should have accelerated the timeline a little bit if that's where you were going to go. You could have did it in the 80s or even in, you know, even in the 90s. Because, I mean, the original Wonder Years came out in, what, 88, 89? So, you know, the 60s, that that's only 25 years ago at that particular point in time, and people were still kind of longing for that era. You know what I mean? When when that show came out. So I, I think they should have done it like that. But yeah, the, the 80s are yeah very uh, fertile ground for storytelling forward, even though we don't do anything new or innovative anymore. For the record, do, you remember, do you remember when they had a brief thing when that 70s show was super popular? You know, that more 80s than halfway show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You remember that? That was like like yeah. one season. Like the first two episodes were okay, and then they ran out of jokes. <laughs> and and uh, they already did a Wonder Years for the eighties and early the 90s. Goldbergs. The Goldbergs. Everybody love. Everybody hates Chris. Ah, touche, touche. Because wow. I think the Goldbergs is set in the eighties as well. But you know, it's it a, the Jewish family. Yeah, but yeah. I think Fresh Out the Boat is the nineties too. Yeah, right? Fresh Out the Boat is real time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, no, is it nineties? No, that's the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the main character, he's a he's a huge hit. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, because Shaquille O'Neal is playing for the Orlando Magic. Fresh off the boat. Randall Park. Wow. Yep, mm-hmm. Randall Park. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think like you guys are saying, the 80s resonates loudly with, with people of your generation, even more. Like, I was a teenager, so yeah, it was different for me. But what it means to you guys is going to be different than me. But, but retelling Christmas stories, sort of, and wrapping it around something you guys can relate to, like, I couldn't relate to a Red Rider BB gun. That was way before my time. <laughs> but I could relate to the story. And this is a retell is sort of like I say, it's not a complete carbon copy, a sort of retelling of that that will relate to children of the 80s, people who were in their, you know, single digits in the 80s, up to 10, 11, 12, even 13. This movie is going to speak to you guys loudly. Um, speaking of speaking loudly, I want to turn this over to you guys to talk about the South Park special, which I have not seen, but I imagine some of you guys have. You want me to lead it? So, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Matt Parker and Trey Stone signed like a crazy deal for like 10, 11, or 12 or some odd made-for-TV movies on Paramount+. Plus. They're specials. Not necessarily movies. They're 45 minutes an hour-long specials. And they've gotten in the habit of doing that since the pandemic um, because, you know, it was kind of hard to do the regular show. They would do just one big special. Um First of all, if you've ever watched South Park and if it's something that interests you, these specials are fantastic because they really get a chance to delve into not just the crude, the crude, satirical, yet smart humor, but they really have multiple threads that they're pulling from. Um, but this special directly related to the pandemic special, I don't want to give it away because, you know, people might actually want to watch it. But I thought, and maybe Tony will disagree with me, maybe he'll agree with me. I thought uh, it was really, really, it, it wasn't as funny as the pandemic special was. That, that one had me on my, on my ass. It was funny, but I love the fact that they took, they took this from a perspective of 30, 40 years from now in the future, we're just not the pandemic. And everything has changed. And they kept referencing, well, you know, it's the future, so we can't do this now. Or it's the future, so you can't do that now. Um, it was, it was it, the one thing that Matt, that Stone and Parker are, is they are always going to give you something that you're not expecting from a very smart, smartly, cleverly written way. 
I enjoyed it. It was an hour well spent. PC? I think the two major points to take away from it, one was immediate and one was, you know, kind of we're on a, the wrong track down the line. The immediate one was if we don't adhere and start kind of, you know, if, if you're not personally doing something, if you're not, let's put it this way, if you're not actively doing something towards helping the pandemic end, you are part of the problem. And that's why 40 years later, they're fine. It's 40 there. So they, they were nine. Now they're 49 in this episode. Um, you, you, you're part of the problem and why it's not going to end anytime soon. The other part of it was kind of, it's something that's been evolving and is starting to evolve even more so. And I'm not saying some of the things that are, have crossed the line are acceptable at all, but I'm talking about in general, uh, comedy you, you can't tell a joke anymore. And and this episode really hit hard on the fact that Jimmy had become a late night talk show <laughs> and his punchlines were just like so, saying something nice about the question he had asked about somebody. Right. So, it, you know, for, it, it was for, set up for racial or religious jokes. And then instead of, you know, saying the, the, uh, the biasness or, or the I, stereotype thing, he would say something complimentary about said, you know, faction or or race and here's an was, example here's, would laugh. Here, Go ahead, Ray. Here, here's an example uh he, he he told one joke he was telling was uh so there was uh there was a woman that walked into an abortion clinic the other day and uh she's a very she's a very nice wonderful woman that was the punchline stuff like that because like you know in the future as tony was saying look you comedy is comedy has irreparably been changed so I'll give it back to you though. I just it was it was hilarious how they flipped it. And yes, Jimmy is the the tonight show with Jimmy. Not Jimmy such and such, just Jimmy. Well not and lastly before soapbox. Go go ahead, Tony. I apologize, man. No, lastly before you jump in, but they did something that I desperately like want to see somebody do season after season in a cartoon. Is they they went forward in time. The next cartoon that's gonna make it big, I think, is going to be a cartoon that turns itself literally into a sitcom and ages its drawings and characters as the years go by, right? Like the Simpsons and family guy are 20, 25 years old and everybody's still the same age. Well, how about a cartoon that ages the characters as they go along in the years? We haven't had really one of those, have we? No, not, you, not you, seasonally. You literally took the words out of my mouth, man. We've been hanging out way too long, but I, I did want to ask you guys a question. In, in regards to what you just brought up, Tony, number one, I, I think Parker and Stone are absolute geniuses. And y'all know me. I think y'all get kind of my sensibilities. You know that I'm here for anybody that is willing to take the piss out of everything. I'm just here for that. But wh why is it where, you know, because, you know, McFarland is a genius and groaning and stuff like that. We talked about the Simpsons family guy. Why is it that you think where these other cartoon shows have jumped the shark? Why is it that that Trey Parker and Matt Stone are even they're what thirty years in the game at this point, right? If they're not damn near, why is it that they have been able to main their maintain their fastball where these other shows have gotten long in the tooth? I I well, why you think, Tony? I have I have an answer to that. Number one, they have perfected the art of hitting you over the head with the point without insulting you about hitting you over the head with. They have perfected that art. It's a hard thing to do to tell somebody they're wrong without them knowing that you're telling them they're wrong. It's a very hard thing to do. They've perfected that, number one. Number two, 
a lot of it comes down to they are completely backed unequivocally by Comedy Central. Whatever they want to do, Comedy Central will, has never told them no. The only thing they ever told them no on was showing Muhammad. And they made a whole episode about they couldn't show Muhammad. So I think that's the big difference to me. To answer your but, question, to, to answer real, that question real, quickly, though, I would compare it to to Family Guy and The Simpsons and and South Park all in one. They all the all of those shows two things: the 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 writers know their characters and the writers know their audience. I just real quick, I wanted to add kind of a a frame of reference to what Ray was talking about. For those of you that don't know, Muhammad is the 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 main prophet in the faith of Islam. He, he's basically their equivalent to Jesus Christ, even though mm-hmm. they do talk about Jesus Christ in the Quran. But he's basically that. But the thing about Muhammad is there is no photographic evidence of Muhammad. There's never been any paintings, any anything like there. There, there is no representation of what Muhammad, if he if he existed, may or may not look like. So I, I, I just wanted to add a little bit of reference to to what Ray was talking about. That's all. I didn't mean to step on what you were saying, Sonny. But but Dave, get in here, man. I I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on my question as well. Why has have Parker and Stone been able to maintain their fastball when a lot of these other animated series seem to kind of fall off at some point in time? So I'll repeat kind of what I said in the chat. I like South Park but I have not watched it to the extent of Tunney or Ray or Patrick. So I really can't speak from a position of knowledge as to why Um, it's, it's a, it's always been a clever show. They, they've never shied from what I've seen. They've never shied off about taking on some of the more controversial topics, but like Ray said, they've got the backing of comedy central so they can get away with stuff that a lot of these other shows may not have, uh, have have wanted to do and they've managed to stay topical this whole time and i think that's the main thing that i've noticed about south park is that they they stay current they talk about stuff that's that's important in the news like you guys are talking about they're talking about the pandemic they're talking about the fact that hey you know if you're not going to help solve the problem then you are the problem and and you know it's really it's really a late night approach it's really a late night approach to a cartoon comedy right right Right. Absolutely. Right. So that, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to offer than what, what uh, Ray and Tunney said, Chris, but that to me seems like they staying topical is, is a big re if you can stay topical and stay relevant, your longevity is going to be much better. And it seems like South park has perfected the art of staying at the forefront of people's consciousness and, and what's important to them and the, and the, and the conversation of the day. That'd be my, my statement. And it's funny because, you know, South Park is kind of like a how can I put this? It's almost like a it's 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 perceived as kind of a, a, a liberal tempo, but I, I don't know where they stand now, Parker and Stone, you know, after the events of the last, you know, eight years. But they're hardcore conservatives, which that that which that that always just I don't know, I just always found that funny to me for whatever reason i don't know why that that just that's just funny to me maybe it's my uh i don't know i just have a weird sense of humor well look Sat- satire is not lost on a person who really cares about satire is, is not lost or not skewed by any type of affiliations let's also and they honest. really love that they really love the art of satire i'm sorry Dave. and let, no let's be honest not all conservatives are batshit crazy and, and that's that's the main thing to take away from this there are a lot of republicans out there your political affiliations notwithstanding 
There's a lot of Republicans out there who are very smart, very intelligent, and approach this whole situation pragmatically and intelligently. Just because you, you know, support a Republican candidate does not make you the fucking spawn of Satan. And, and there's yeah, too but much- you, but you, you get what I'm saying though, Dave. Those oh, aren't do. the ones that that get the airplay because no, I mean, full yeah, disclosure, right. man. I'm I'm apolitical. I'm neither liberal nor conservative. You know what I mean? Just full disclosure. I'm just throwing that out there. But no, I yeah. I, I agree. And it's just it's just that it's too easy to fall into that narrative that is so prevalent nowadays that. You know, there's the good and there's a light in the dark. Well, wait a second. You can't just categorize people like that based on their political affiliation. And and there's too much of that. But let's steer out of that skid. Right. I I, I didn't didn't mean to get us there in the ditch, Dave. I apologize. I I wanted the last thing I want to talk about the last movie or show that I want to talk about uh, before we go to the break or the first break is. I think Ray feels about this movie kind of like the way I felt about 8-Bit Christmas, because judging on his description of it in the chat, Ray, why don't you tell us about Encanto? And and I gather you love this movie, and I want to know, sell, sell us on it, Ray. Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mermaid, Moana, Zootopia, The Frozens, all of these Disney movies, Encanto is up there with them. See that now Encanto is this is comparable to my comparison with 8-bit Christmas to Christmas story. You are bringing in you are invoking the name of some very heavy hitters and saying this movie deserves to be included in that description. Encanto is one of the best. I know that this uh, recently bias. I I acknowledge that. I'll revisit this in a month. But Encanto is one of the best animated sh- movies I've ever I've ever seen. Ever seen. Lin-Manuel Miranda Again, continues to prove that he is the genius of this generation. Um, I love the fact that Disney loves to showcase different um, areas of the world and different cultures. This was based in Colombia. It had a mystical vibe. The family had superpowers. Um, It had a really good plot and a really good plot twist. Man, the movie was just fantastic. The songs are fantastic it's so good it's so it's so good that my daughters were were, were crying wow. it's that is that good it's so good bro and i'd be I, disney uh, talking about perfecting the art disney has perfected the art of just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for kids Encanto, by large is not a kid's movie i'm not saying it's adult like invincible but it's not just for the kids because some of the stories and the ideals and the thoughts they put in there are only shit that we're going to get, but it's so fucking good. Oh man. It's fantastic. Uh, is it on words at theaters or Disney plus or both? It's in theaters now. It'll probably be in Disney plus in a couple months, but it's, it's in theaters now only in theaters. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. I mean, those that's just giving, and I haven't seen it. Uh, Chris, Tony, have you seen Encanto yet or is it just Ray? Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but I mean, thanks to Ray's glowing recommendation, similar to you and 8-Bit, it's definitely something that I'm going to have to check out. Yeah, absolutely. You and Amber need to go see it, bro. Y'all will love it. Y'all walk out the y'all walk out the arena dancing, the, the, the theater dancing, I promise you. I like to dance anyway, so I could smoke a bag of that. You already smoked a bag earlier in this show, Chris. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I smoked a cigar, Dave, oh, not a oh, bag. Oh, I'm sir. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tony, you, you got? Have you seen this movie, or you uh, did Ray sell you on it? He sold me on it. I've seen the previews for it. Um, it may be something I, I catch streaming down the road. 
previews don't do it justice, Tony. I promise you. Yeah, I know. But I just there's just so much fucking content to consume. Sure, well, but I'm just so only reason I say that. I'm not going to lie to you and go, oh, yes, uh, I can't wait till it hits streaming. Well, that's... No, I get that. The only reason I bring that up, though, is because I wasn't interested on it based on the, on the previews. No, I was just being honest. There no, is... no, I'm just saying, I'm not just for you, I'm telling the people. Right. I didn't care about the movie too. No, by I'm watching the, the previews. I'm... The previews did people, not make me want to watch this. We went and people, saw it because the kids were like, we want to see a movie. People, I'm being honest, probably not going to watch this. But... Ray Cash endorses it, so you should watch it. I love Ray Cash, though. I endorse Ray Cash, so if he endorses it, that means that, you know, through the through the keychain, <laughs> see what I did there, uh, there we is... both endorse this movie. It's not, it's not on lock, Tony. Yeah. Not on lock. The key's not on lock, baby. Make a key. Make a key, Tony. Uh, there is literally, literally uh, a cornucopia of content out there, which is, uh, which, yeah, there's the title uh-huh. for the, there's a title for the episode. Uh, there's As so much. Advocate, I appreciate it. There's that alliteration. Yeah, so much to watch right now that, that you can't possibly watch it all. Which is why I wanted kind of to do this roundtable sort of stuff we're watching that you know we've all caught, we've all talked about lately. But you know we're an hour in. It is time to take our first commercial break. Tony, what you got, bud? Uh, just if you have Apple TV, watch The Shrink Next Door. It's with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. It's dark comedy. It's hilarious. There you go. People's most sexiest man, Paul Rudd. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's a dark comedy for you. <laughs> Christopher Platt, since you're here and you are the voice of Chairshot Radio, do you tell people where they can get their hands on some of those excellent Chairshot.com based t-shirts and, and paraphernalia? Clothing paraphernalia, Chris. Not the other paraphernalia. <laughs> okay, okay, because I was, I was really? I didn't know I didn't know we expanded our chair our shot branded bongs. That's next year. Hey, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Get the uh, hey, uh, we 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 get to uh, create our own strand. We'll call it velvet pipes, right? Ooh, <laughs> right. There you go. Right. Wow. You hey. thought of, you thought about this already? Clearly. No, that's off the top, baby. You ain't the only yeah. idea man on the show, I sir. Just, <laughs> I feel like I'm danger field right now. Hey, everybody, we're all getting laid. <laughs> hey, but all jokes aside, Dave, I'm glad you brought it up. Tis the season. The holidays are upon us. You've got a lot of people that you need to buy gifts for. Maybe your family is getting back together for the first time in a couple of years. There's going to be a lot of people that you might not have seen recently and some more people that are probably going to show up. Don't go out and buy that drugstore cologne at the last minute just because you know your cousin from college is coming back or your auntie and uncle are coming through. You don't have to do any of that. Don't go get the garment bag that comes with the free cologne. You know what I'm talking about, the little shaving bag that we put on. You ain't got to do all of that. All you need to do, and you're going to be doing two things simultaneously. Not only are you going to make your family more aesthetically pleasing, you're also going to be supporting your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude because clearly you're smarter than the average fan. That's why you're listening. Right? 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 So how can we do all of that, Christopher? I'm glad you asked. By going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot t-shirt. And hey, they're not all wrestling related. And even the ones that are wrestling related... They ain't got to know that it's wrestling related. They're just cool looking T-shirts and everybody loves a cool T-shirt, right? It's a great conversation piece. Guys, if you're going out and bout on the town and you're trying to get laid, you put on a cool T-shirt. Hey, maybe the young lady says, hey, or maybe the young man, whatever you're into. Hey, that's a cool T-shirt. Boom. Conversation started. You're in there like swimwear. And if she grinned or if he grinned, guess what? They in. 
We've got Jesus did the job. It's the, literally the reason for the season. You can get that for Grandma Gummy. You can get that for Auntie Gertrude. You know, the Bible thumpers in your life. They'll love that. They don't have to know anything about it being wrestling. If we talked about earlier, we hate critics, okay? We, we hate journalism and everything that's going on and how journalism is just so watered down it's like a bud light with eight ice cubes in it right now that's what journalism is so if you want to rally against the machine go pick you up a hashtag journalism t-shirt and if you got some fox news family in your family yo perfect that's absolutely perfect the hashtag journalism shirt it's plat tested Fox approved, okay? They'll absolutely love it. You ain't got to tell them nothing else. They'll absolutely love it. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what else we got? We, we've got the chair shot logo on the Corona. We've got some cool bar chair shot things established 2017. Like, there's just a bunch of cool gift ideas for somebody in your family that you have no idea what the hell you're going to get them. It's only going to take you about two seconds of thought, and you'll be doing a good thing by supporting the movement. Make sure you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Please and thank you. Thank you and please pick up two, three, four, five. We're going to make it all the way live. All right. Remember, the chairshot.com. we are not just a website. We are a movement. And I apologize because I know that ad ran a hell of a lot longer than anybody anticipated or even wanted it to. But again, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. And Christopher did not even mention the bandwagon nerd shirt that you can pick up over there on the uh, chair forward slash or no ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. I'll get it eventually. So we're going to come back in, in a in a minute and 16. Yeah, Tony, you can queue it up if you want, baby. So, yeah, I mean, hey, saves me from doing post editing stuff. But we'll be back in about a minute, 16 second dish or so. Um, but you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything progressing. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. Thechairshot.com. 
always use your head. See, I lied and gave him gave him the shorter commercial, Tony. We'll have to hit him with the longer one later. Got to keep him on their toes, man. Got to keep him on their toes. I got more. I know. Yeah, you, I got more. We I got, got we got plenty more where that came from. But you know, we're go, we're gonna get in here. We're gonna get some banjos. We're gonna get some fiddles. We're gonna. I feel like an episode of like what up with that is. Co- I feel like it's what up with that coming. We gonna get some banjos. We gonna get some fiddles. <laughs> we gonna go do some diddles <laughs> and some kittles. Anyway, what up with that? Oh, Chris is what Chris up is with that? Sing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, over there, Lindsay. Thanks for making it back to the show, Lindsay. Lindsay, Lindsay, Christmas cookie, Christmas cookie. You, you want cookie, you cake. Want cookie cake? Cookie cake. <laughs> you want cookie cake? <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Hey! Uh, all right, let's get some uh, banjos going and get. Hit. We're gonna hit the trailer park a little bit here. All right, fellas, we are back. Time to go to the trailer park for a little holiday visit over into our friends in the uh, less desirable areas of town, so to speak, that sort of thing. Um, so a couple of we did like what? We got four trailers to talk about here. Um, first one, it's just a new TV spot for the uh, Book of Boba Fett coming December 29th. Real short, 30 seconds. Not a whole lot here other than, you know, Boba Fett donning the armor and saying his name. Uh, you guys are, are you guys still into this show or any, did this get you any more excited? I, I was just like, okay, let's get to it. But I did think, well, it's some new footage, so we might as well talk about it. I'll be honest with you. Like considering game of Thrones is pretty much just going to be that series. I understand they got the kind of prequel series going on until game of Thrones decides they want to make, um, I, uh, or Arya, or whatever the fuck you want to call her, however you want to pronounce her name, you know, had to see what's west of Westeros. Uh, Star Wars is what I'm most interested in as far as the genre goes in, in, in what we do. So, yeah, this, The Mandalorian, everything Star Wars. Like, I, we were talking the other day, I'm hoping they do kind of like a prequel movie or series about Kylo Ren coming to power with on the dark side would be really fucking cool. So... Yeah, I, I can't wait. I know Ray, you were you were nodding your head as well. I mean, this just looks like it's going to be a story of Boba Fett, you know, establishing his power and dominance within his domain with with where he's been, you know, set up to to run the show. Ray, uh, yeah, man. Um, so I know there's the Star Wars proper universe, and I kind of look at the Mandalorian as starting the Mandalorian universe with all these shows, right? And I know it's still. The, all stores proper but all of these shows are kind of coming off the heels of mandalorian so boba fett um the Sokotano show um i know that the range of the new republic was supposed to happen i think it's been canceled now uh, but if it was coming that was off the heels of the mandalorian so i look at all those shows as kind of like that mini verse if you will but because of that i'm interested in Bo- the boba fett show because i need to know not need to know, i want to know what's happened 
after the end of Mandalorian season two, when you see Boba Fett trying to get back in power or, or what is he trying to uh, bring control to the power that uh, um, Jabba had or whoever it was. It's, it's all still Bill Walsh's uh, coaching tree though. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you can, well, you, can well you can tell, whoa, whoa, whoa. you can tell, you can tell Mike Holmgren's coaching staff from the Packers <laughs> Super Bowl win in the nineties, but it was still all under Bill Walsh here, right? So, so don't so, like so, go running so, around like this ain't well, still fucking Star Wars. You you just uh, piqued my interest. Apparently, Boba Fett is uh, running right the West Coast offense. So okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really good. That's a really good uh, way to put it, though. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I completely get it. We're exploring a different coaching tree, like. You know, Bill Parcells has one hell of a coaching tree, but right now we're looking at Bill Belichick specifically. So you're saying the uh, book I mean, of Boba Fett is the run and gun offense, is, is what you're saying? Run and shoot. That run too. And shoot. That too. <laughs> I, I just hope it doesn't turn into the wishbone. Is all I'm saying. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Shout out to Bill Walsh because I mean Stefanski, the coach of the Browns. He he's a like a distant cousin on that tree. Like if you watch the Browns, they're clearly running, running a variation of the West coast office. So shout out to Boba Fett. Shout out to Bill Walsh. Um, yeah, my, my thoughts on this trailer, man, yeah, it, it, it didn't pique my interest. It didn't make me feel one way or another in regards to wanting to watch this show. I'm still, I, the rise, not even the rise of Skywalker, the last star Wars movie they did in the trilogy that still has left a bad taste in my mouth in regards to the star Wars that franchise. That was the rise of Skywalker. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm I, trying I to rinse you, it out, uh, man. I'm uh, trying to rinse it out. I think you have your title there, though. I think uh, bandwagon nerds Boba Fett and Bill Walsh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Bill Walsh learning tree. Yeah, I I I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch this anyway. I don't I don't necessarily share Mr. O'Dowd's sympathies or 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 his feeling that Boba Fett is an overrated character. But he'll I'm, bitch about it the whole time. It'll yeah, be perfect. Will. It's like exactly what he wants. It's a series where we're all going to gloat about it, and he can nitpick it and still enjoy it at the same time, right? Whether he says it or not, it's another fucking Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. So we know you <laughs> liked it, Patrick. We know you liked it. You know, anytime you want to put a watch party together and check out, you know, episode one, Phantom Menace, I'm in there like swimwear. Favorite Star Wars movie. You hey, shout out Ray. to POD, man. I'm with you, brother. I'm on that soapbox with you, man. We like back to back, like in them kung fu movies, thwarting all y'all melon farmers off. I'm with you Horrible. on that soapbox pod. I'm with you, baby. I'm gonna Horrible. start calling it a Tide Pod. Is that cool or a Tide at least Pod? Funny? A Tide Pod. <laughs> There's like a title it. for an episode. Like Tide Pods. Yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> Biscuits and gravy. Um, moving on to the next trailer. This one was uh, was much better. This movie, DC League of Super Pets. <laughs> Um, looks far better. Tide Pod, Boba Fett, and Bill Walsh, Bandwagon Nerds 101, whatever the fuck this is. <laughs> yeah, 107. Um, this movie, DC League of Super Pets, uh, looks better than it has any business being. And I, I dug this trailer. Dwayne Johnson's in there. Kevin Hart's in there. Um, you know, you get, and it's kind of the reversal of Eternals that we talked about a few weeks ago, Ray, where the Eternals mentioned Batman and Superman by name. Here, Superman mentions Iron Man by name and then quickly disses, quickly disses him. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, um, what did you guys think of this trailer? I'm going to turn it over to Christopher Platt first. Your thoughts on this? Uh, this trailer is a lot of fun. The DC League of Super Pets, the uh, DC, the Justice League has pets and they're getting into trouble and probably having to rescue their masters from 
nefarious uh, situations. Uh, what were your thoughts on this trailer? This looks like a lot of fun. It gave me Shrek vibes, and it, it, it's kind of similar to something that Ray said earlier about how a lot of these animated films, yes, okay, technically they're for kids, but there are some adult jokes in there as well because we know they know we're going to have to go watch them with our kids anyway, so they might as well make something entertaining for us as well. But it kind of gave me those vibes. And yeah, this is going to be funny as hell. And I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this. I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be a good time. Like, it, you know, is it going to win an Oscar or anything like that? Of course not. But it might be a good waste of two, two and a half hours of your time. You know, have a good time. Ray Cash, your thoughts on the DC League of Super Pets. Uh, pretty damn good cast. That's for sure. Voice casting. Fantastic cast. It's going to be, I think it'll be real fun. Um, it's, I love when people think, outside the box and they see things that everybody else sees but nobody pays attention to every comic fan knows about crypto nobody's ever thought well what about it what if crypto was the star of the show i think it's really cool to flip that my only problem with the movie and i'm not going to care when i watch it only problem is when it comes to voice casting we've gotten so good over the past 20 years of matching a voice with the character kevin hart's voice does not match that dog and so, go ahead. My bad. I was just going to say, man, speaking of crypto, man, make sure y'all uh, buy into New Cypher. I made my first profit in the crypto market through this New Cypher. So go get you some New Cypher, motherfucker, okay? Thank me later. This public service announcement has new- been brought to you by Christopher Platt. You can also find New Cypher's on the BT Hip Hop Awards. Go ahead, Tony. No, I'm dead ass. In you, Cypher. Go get you some new cipher. It's still cheap right now. It's it's on the come up. It's on the come up. It, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, hey, I need to get some of this Amazon stock. 30 years ago, hey, I need to get some of this Microsoft stock or Apple stock. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Listen, I got a junk drawer full of Thomas Jefferson, so I'll be fine, okay? Them $2 bills, you wonder where they went? They're all in my junk drawer, baby. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've made a 200% profit. I wish I would have put more into it. This movie looks great. I'm more likely to see this than Encanto. Um, I'm interested. What do you do when you're not winning at something? You go ahead and... and you cheat. You know, you make sure that the talent that's coming up is going to make sure that they're going to help you win, right? So what does DC do? They're attacking the audience and bringing in significant big guns to let little kids know that, hey... DC is the brand you should be watching here. So I see it as a strategic play. They spent a lot of money on these these voices. If you look at the long list that comes up at the end of this, of people that are not cheap to pay to do something like this, especially them knowing it's DC, this is a strategic play for the future. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's a really good concept. The play between The Rock and Kevin Hart is definitely going to set this off. Yeah. They can figure out which characters are going to be really good, and you're going to see multiple movies from this. I would not be surprised at this point if Dwayne Johnson didn't have a DC tattoo somewhere on his body, property of Warner Brothers, because they have invested heavily in The Rock. That is for damn sure. Um, so I, it looks really fun to me. Like I said when I first saw this, this movie looks a lot more fun than it has any right to be. So we'll see. I, I'm definitely interested in this. I think it comes out next spring is what I'm uh, guessing sometime in the spring yes. of 2022. Uh, another movie that's going to be coming out, I think, I was it 2022 or 2023 for Jurassic Park Dominion. I'm not sure. But 
they dropped on us. This is not so much a trailer as it was the first five minutes of the movie, the prologue. I, I, before you move on, I wanted to, like, does everybody know what DC stands for? Distinguished competition. No. Um, Detective Comics, isn't do, it? Dewey's Coochie. Right. No, no, yeah, no, Dave's right. It's Detective Comics, and I, I, I was just waiting for a pause there before you moved on. I apologize. I missed it, but The Rock does have a DC tattoo. Most of the time, it is just DC, but at certain times, it does read out in full Detective Comics, so he <laughs> does have that tattoo. Just wanted to... I'm not sure if, you know... Yeah, I, I have one of those tattoos, too. It, it says PT, but then at certain times, it says Pat. <laughs> wow hey apparently it still works apparently it still works though so good on you hey! kids, hey, kids this is what happens when you eat tide pods it, it's all coming full circle right now um tony tide let, pod boba fett yeah and bill, bill, walsh. Bill, bill walsh tide pods boba fett and bill walsh yeah that 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 might be a good title um Tony, did you watch this first five minutes of Jurassic Park Dominion? And and man, uh, you know, we talked earlier about like special effects and CGI and my Lord, you know, Jurassic Park set new standards for CGI in 1993. They look to be setting even newer standards now. Those dinosaurs from 65 million years ago look like, holy shit, unbelievable. Uh, Did you watch the prologue? What are your thoughts on this movie? They look like they are going in a very different direction here. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, a Godzilla kind of thing that they're shooting towards. You know, what I'm hoping for, honestly, is I would imagine this movie is going to be probably 2.15-ish, right? Two hours, 15-minute movie. It, it seems like it's going to be in that area. I'm really hoping the, the first 35 to 40 minutes is the prehistoric thing, the CGI of the dinosaur where it's just dinosaurs, right? Because I, I was watching this, and I didn't realize how long this this preview was and i hit the screen to see how long i've been watching it and we're still well over two minutes into it before any human shows up on the screen we're still in prehistoric times so i'd be really more interested in this movie if i saw more prehistoric times but it looks like tyrannosaurus rex even when you want to count them out and seem like they're about to go down for the death blow prehistoric times or current times they're going to come roaring back. So I guess that's going to probably be the end boss of this film, considering we'll get to the fact that, you know, movies are kind of made from video games and other stories. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Ray, did you, what did you think of this prologue? This is a, this is a different, because I'll be honest with you guys. I did not dig Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom at all. It's the closest I've come to walking out of a movie in the theaters in a long time. I just did not like that movie at all. Um, but this movie has got my interest because it looks like they are doing a little bit of a, I mean, this one had a kind of a Stranger Things vibe at the end where they shift over to, it's not present day because they're at a drive-in with your favorite movie, Ray, Flash Gordon. And uh, that's, that's playing at the drive-in along with uh, American Graffiti. So I'm like thinking, okay, they've gone from 65 million years ago to somewhere in the 80s. And I'm not sure what's going on, but what are your thoughts on this? This looks different. How did this T-Rex get out in the loose? It's okay. This isn't Lost World. They're not in San Diego. What the hell's going on here? Your thoughts? I'm going to be honest with you. This is the one thing I wasn't able to see. So I haven't seen the prologue. Um, I haven't I haven't seen it. It's on my list. I was going to watch oh, it. You posted it, Ray. 
Can I answer that question though, Dave? This is sure. what happened before they opened up the island. I think something got loose. I think someone found what they were doing. The big thing about it was the mosquito. They showed the mosquito again. So somewhere someone else did this. Maybe this is where the mad scientist bought this from whoever gets busted for this or moves on. And this is how those stories start. So obviously this is a precursor to the original Jurassic Park, which is out on some island in what the Pacific or something like that. And if it is, I'm all in because I would love them to to do something to expand upon the original stories more. Because Pr- Chris Pratt has been fine, but I haven't really dug the whole Jurassic World Fallen Did- Kingdom shit. So you seen it, Chris? You seen this? Yes or no? Yeah, uh, go, go ahead, man. But yeah, say what you want to say. I, I'm hoping that the guy who shot at the t-rex around the drive-in movie theater and missed and the the tranquil dart went into the windshield of the car of the people at the drive-in movie theater i'd love to see those people like get tranquilized from the juices that come out i'd like to see it go into their eyes and them get dinosaur tranquilized you know what does that look like are you talking about uh, that's funny I, i was gonna say you going george romero on us sir is is that where you're going bill walsh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> do you think bill wash could take george romero's characters and turn them into a contender like you know give bill wash what how, how big is the football team what 56 people take 56 zombies and turn them into a contender sure. uh, hey we're gonna find out what dodge we're gonna find out what dodge slash gabe can do with about 53 uh demons so yeah they can't all be winners ladies and gentlemen okay everything that comes out my mouth is gonna trophies. be a jewel okay yeah, it's not going to be a jewel, okay? Right. Chris, what do you think of this prologue? I mean, hard to call it a trailer as more of like a preview. I'm here. I love, I absolutely adore the Jurassic Park universe, man. So much so, you said the original came out in, it was 93, is that correct? Yep. Was it 93, 94? 93. 93. So 93. I was, okay. 93? Okay, I was 12 years old at the time. And I love the original movie so much that I went out and bought the book. Shout out to Michael Crichton, RIP, and, and read the book. And, you know, this shit was like four, four, four or five hundred pages, man. And to be fair, there's about 85 to 100 pages that are specifically designated towards the uh, the DNA splicing. It, it was a lot for a 12-year-old me to read. It'd probably be even more for a 40-year-old me to read. But that's neither here nor there. I just really enjoy this world, man. I even like the... the I even like the Lost World sequel with Jeff Goldblum, man. I thought that was underrated. I like the reboots. The last one, I'm kind of with Dave. It was meh, but I like the Bryce Dallas Harper character. I love the Chris Pratt character. Kind of my namesake, but not really. So, yeah, I'm here for it, and I, I want to see what they do. I like where Tunny went when you said that it was very Godzilla-ish, because I, I kind of got those vibes as well. But I'm, I'm all in, and I'm, I'm here for it, and I want to see what they do. Yeah, I I agree. It's 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 going to be a I I I want to see them do something different with this franchise because there's so much fertile ground, you know. But but I think the the things that stood out in the prologue to me are that the dinosaurs from 65 million years ago had a definite, distinctly different look than the genetically spliced ones that we've seen throughout the series. You know, like the T Rex at 65 million years ago, some of them had feathers on them as they were evolving through this thing. It's like, oh, okay. That's a little bit different. Well, so, go ahead, Tony. That does lend itself to the theory that, you know, the closest relative right now to dinosaurs is, is in fact, birds. Yes. Well, that, that's the thing. Yeah. Michael Crichton, I mean, you think about it. The stuff that he put into Jurassic Park, um, the science behind it, 
is mm-hmm. to Michael was, Crichton. Yeah, to Michael Crichton seemed like okay, that's way far fetched and out there. But they have now scientists are trying to make Crichton's science work. And, you know, these fuckers have got released, probably had something to do with coronavirus being released in the world. And now you got variants with fucking Greek alphabet names after them and shit. You know, this thing will never end. It's like, wow, how much sooner before we're going to have a coronavirus variant dinosaur running around out there? Mm -hmm. But I I think that I mean, go ahead. Besides a flying car, which you could just call a plane, basically, what has the human race imagined that they haven't been able to create besides teleportation but uh, and, and shit for all we know they probably got that I'll, I'll get back to that momentarily but dave it was kind of like what i was alluding to man as 12 year old me was reading this book like the 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 science behind it was very intricate like he wasn't just whistling dixie like i i you know i don't know this for a fact but i wouldn't be surprised if he actually conversed with actual scientists oh, to make did, this seem as possible as possible this you is a lot I mean? for a melon let's, farmer of my age to consume <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest guys if they could find real dinosaur dna they would well, have this done already they're working on it. That's oh, what scares me. Yeah. I, I really think that we are going to get a Jurassic Park in the next 50 or 60 years. And, and, you and see, we see how it could go horribly wrong. Yeah, and you see me. in this one the, the importance of the mosquito, like you were saying, where it lands on the T-Rex that got killed by, I don't know what, what dinosaur that was. Um, but something kills it, and the mosquito lands, takes it, takes a little drink, and takes off. So it's... It's and a mosquitoes fun- have been here since then. Like, what is it? Mosquitoes, turtles. Ago. Yeah. yeah, mosquitoes, sharks. turtles, and uh, sharks. what's the other one? I'm, I'm, it sharks. There's another one I'm, I'm thinking of, but I can't, Probably off the top of my head, I can't cockroaches. remember. cockroaches. Uh, oh, oh, cockroaches. That's the one. Cockroaches, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I really, I would like to see them go in a different direction with this series and kind of get back to the roots and tell a different story, just because I didn't dig Jurassic World, but that's just me. So I'm all in. This, this had my interest right off the bat. I'm like, okay. This looks like a lot of fun. I'm I'm definitely wanting to check it out. Ray, I'm going to kick this over to you because you shared yes, this sir. trailer, and I don't know shit about this show, um, but you tra- shared a sh- trailer for Euphoria Season 2, similar to earlier, uh, and Tunney's watched it too, so similar earlier to the whole discussion about uh, Encanto. Sell mm-hmm. me. You guys sell me. Chris, have you watched Euphoria? I have not watched Euphoria, but my better half has. So okay. I'm literally texting her right now to see if I can get her in here to give us two or three minutes <laughs> on Euphoria. So sell, please uh, talk sell, amongst yourselves. Yeah, sell me on Euphoria, other than the fact that that you know it, it, the cast looks tremendous. But why should I be interested oh, in this oh, show? Oh, 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 Dream Pie, are you available? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Shut up, Tony. <laughs> That caught a lot of heat this household by the BT <laughs> Raymond. Um, yes, sir. Um, so Euphoria is essentially I don't think it's the actual brainchild, but it's definitely um pushed by and, and produced by and starring Zendaya. And it is a very gritty, um a very emotional, very dark look at uh this kind of the cd underbelly so yeah the kind of like the cd underbelly of what teenagers slash um newly turned adults go through and their foray with life and drugs and things of that nature 
a lot of 90210, but everybody's high. No, it's not anywhere. Not even, not even really close. No, it's, it is, it is. Everybody's high. Oh yeah, that's definitely a part of it. But it is, I mean, but it's, it is, it is. You know what? Maybe if, if Aaron Spelling imagined 90210 in 2021, maybe it'd be closer to that. Sure. But it is, it, it's, you know, I gotta be honest with you, man. This is one of those shows. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. It's one of those shows you can't really explain. Well, it's, it's less of a story about teenagers getting into drug abuse and, and, and becoming adults way too soon. And more a story of circumstance within a few families, you know, some that are, are privileged that don't necessarily get into the, the right way of, of using that privilege and some that are necessarily not that privileged and fall victim to their surroundings. I think that's a little bit more accurate statement of what the show is. Zendaya sure. is fucking excellent, by the way, um, as she is in many other things. So it's, it's interesting. It, it, if you've had a, a, a number of different life experiences and, and in number of different situations, there's a lot of different things to relate to in this show. And it does show you how young adults have to deal with those situations, whether you believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Judging from the reaction of Mr. Platt, we are not going to get a cameo from Amber to explain uh, this series. Yeah, it's all bad, Dave. <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> all right. Well, I, you know, guy, Zendaya is uh, one of these stars. Pickles and ice cream. Platt. She's, she's, Platt. Pickles yeah, and ice cream. Yeah, She'll go. love you. For Talk about people who are no, blowing up right now. Zendaya is one of them. Curly Fries, uh, oddly enough. Arby's Curly Fries. That's the craving? Yeah, thus far, yeah. There's, Arby's curly I fries. Mean, it's, that's better than pickles and ice cream, to be just honest. Walk, <laughs> you should just walk up to her with the curly fries and be like, I'm Chris Platt, and then whip it out and be like, I got the meat. See what happens. No. <laughs> Arby's curly fries, and there was another one, too. I can't remember what it is. Hopefully, by the time we, before we get off the air, I'll remember. But yeah, you'll Arby's have to go, curly you'll have fries. You'll go definitely. get it as soon as a, we get off the air. Is it a filet of fish? Much. Is it a filet of fish? No, no, it, it it was a steak, by the way. Dave, by the way, got her to throw, throw it on the grill. I convinced her to let me throw it on the grill, and now she will not question me anymore on what I want to do with the meat. So that happened. When women don't question what you want to do with the meat, that's that's a good thing. You know, that's that's that, gotta that, be that, that's that, a win. That's the dream. That's the dream, <laughs> ain't the dream. it? <laughs> Everybody's looking for three three holes open for business. There's the title for you. Uh, all right, let's take our second and last commercial break. Then we're going to come back to a quick once to you know, take a look at some news around the nerdosphere and call it an episode. You are listening to episode 107 of Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Chris, can we get the Cliff's notes on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot? Again, if you want to support the movement of your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis, make sure y'all go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Please and thank you. Thank you and please. TheChairShot.com. 
always use your head. Well, quick and dirty version of the commercials here today on the Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, gentlemen, for your assistance with that. All right, let's get a little bit of news music here, and we'll talk some news around the Nerdosphere. Here we go. First subject of conversation is dedicated to my good friend, the Reverend Ray Cash, who I quote when this article broke earlier this week, Ray had texted in the bandwagon nerds chat. Can we roast this motherfucker on the show? Please. Yep. Oh boy. And yes. <laughs> I have always tried to pride myself on these shows, especially when I'm running them to give Ray Cash what he wants. So, the title, the title of this in the rundown is Ridley Scott is a bitch, and I want Ray Cash because Ridley Scott <laughs> is blaming his poor performance on what the fuck is this movie called? I, it's so irrelevant. I don't even give a shit. What is his movie called that bombed? The Last Duel. Yeah, The Last Duel uh, did poorly, uh, to it, say the least, and he is well, blaming this on your generation, Ray and Chris. And Tony, because you fucking millennials in your cell phones oh, no. don't want to learn anything. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. Platt and I are not millennials. No, we actually are, Tony. We actually Yo, are. No, we're not. No, we're yes, not. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. No, we're not. We graduated yes, we in 99. Millennials graduated no. in 2000 and later. No, millennials no, you, you are 81 through 2000, yeah. man. Millennials no, are 81 wrong. through 2000. No, 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 no. You can pick whatever interpretation you'd like, but you're wrong. I'm, I'm. I'm Gen, yeah, I'm Gen I'm, Y, so you can fuck yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't whatever, let a, a, a silly thing such as the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, huh, whatever stereotype <laughs> you guys want to apply yeah, to yourself, you this is tell- all your fault, not my generation. Whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> whatever. No, it's not me at all. It's not me. Not it's my not generation. Me. The boomers yeah, have yeah, nothing yeah, to do with this. Yeah, it, it's your don't generation's you, fault. This country is fucked, Dave. You know what I mean? Not because of movie Bob. So, hey, that, you know. that, that may be true, <laughs> but we're not talking about that right now. Dave's not a boomer. I love, I love a you, Dave. You know I'm just talking shit. Man. Look, uh, I want to turn this over to Ray, though, because, I, I mean, is there any credence at all to the bullshit that Ridley Scott is saying that his movie didn't reach the right audience because these people with their cell phones don't want to be taught anything? Ray, you wanted to roast this motherfucker. Here's your forum. Roast away. Ignite. You should use the fire key from lock and key, right, Tony, to ignite this bitch. You don't know what that is. I know, but I can I can pretend like he does. Go ahead, Ray. Um, thank you. Fuck that dude. I see my time. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So look, I, it, I, the fact that he blames that on millennials is laughable because the movie was bad. Simple as that. But the bigger thing that tripped me out was the part that he added on the end of that is that he wants to trash superhero movies and comic book movies. Say that that's ruined. Uh, essentially, that's ruined what we know or believe to be a good movie, and they're all trash. First and foremost, once again, fuck you. Secondly, I'm going to his list of filmography as a as a director: Last Duel, Alien Covenant, Exodus, Gods and Kings, Prometheus, Robin Hood, ha- uh, Gladiator, G.I. Jane. We're, Blade we're, Runner. We're not, slander, we're not slandering some of these movies, are we? You're just doing this to prove a point. Well, let me finish. Okay. That would make the most sense, right? 
uh, all I'm saying is all those movies can't be considered superhero-esque movies. Same sort of general genre, I would say that they're comparable, yes. Especially the aliens. The only movies. difference but the only difference between a superhero movie and what's considered a superhero movie and these other movies are superhero movies have a source material in the comics. Other than that, what's the difference? Not much. I mean, when you're really considering Blade Runner and, and aliens to uh and eh, Gladiator even to a certain extent. But they, okay. they didn't bomb. They didn't bomb because oh, they were good movies. <laughs> exactly. But what, what I'm saying is I hate this idea that people want to put superhero movies of a superhero origin in this box like they're not just regular movies. And that bothers me, right? There is no there is literally there is very little difference between The Dark Knight and a movie like Heat. What's the difference? Batman. Other than the way the dude is dressed. Good acting. <laughs> Maybe. Where is it? You wouldn't give it to an ordinary sister. <laughs> don't act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, come on was now. Was that a part of John playing up. that? Dwayne you Shinsons. gotta give it up. Now you have my permission Dwayne. to die, Platt. My main man, Dwayne Shinsons. Uh, you need a symbol. You need a symbol. Uh, with your deviated septum sounded ass. Fuck out of here, Christian Bell. He made some interesting choices with uh, with that character. But, Ray, I apologize, man. Please continue. No, you're good. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. I, look, I think I think Ray raises a good... The, the, the concept is, and we've heard this from not just Ridley Scott, but who's the guy who directed Dune? Dennis Villeneuve, right? He said mm-hmm. the same fucking thing. That these superhero-based movies, these comic-based movies, have ruined the storytelling medium for these other guys. No, I, I don't buy that for a second. I think people are going to watch what they think is good, and and if you're putting stuff out there that is not grabbing their attention, they're going to let you know about it. And if you don't agree with it, well, then maybe you should think about the kind of work that you put into your own movies. You can't just blame this on Marvel or DC or Image and say, well, people only want this kind of movie. Or they won't resonate to it because look at the backlash that shit like Eternals is getting, you know, and it's the same. That's a Marvel MCU movie and people are not resonating as much with that as as anticipated or like earlier where Ray talked about some of the Hawkeye reviews, which aren't glowing on some fronts. So it really you can't just blame this and say, I'm going to pigeonhole everything and anything that's not in this hole is going to get shit on by the fans. I think that's narrow minded and stupid. To, to say that that's all that's going on and he's he's going down that path so let me let me play devil's advocate here number one Ridley Scott sounds very get off my lawnish we can all agree to that yes. I do I to be fair I do also want to hear the podcast so I can hear the conversation in proper context because I'm, I'm a big context guy just 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 to be fair I, I want to hear that that's you know what I mean it's point. different it's different when you read something as opposed to hearing the context in which it was spoken. You know what I mean? Very true. But Very true. And, 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 you know, bro, you got Ben Affleck, you got Matt Damon. There, there were some other stars, too, man, off the top of my head. I can't remember. And, and the shit bombed. And I understand why you don't want to blame Disney because Disney owns everything. So you can't just come out and say, fuck Disney, because Megan Fox did that several years ago in a in an interview. I believe it was in GQ, if I'm not mistaken. Haven't heard and from her you, since. You, exactly. Well, so, mean, you, you, so you can't come out and say know, that. Yeah, she's not acting, but she's still famous. 
she's famous, but bro, man, the trajectory she was on isn't where she's at right now. Like she was headlining major motion, major motion pictures, not good pictures, but major motion pictures. Like she was on the come up, and they they got her about that Transformers franchise, and yeah, she's. She's headlining Benny Hanna somewhere right now. Go ahead. <laughs> I think she's going to be wrestling Heidenreich this weekend in a Golden Corral parking lot. Like yeah. that's where we had. There you go. All you can eat, baby. No, but but we we've heard uh, uh, similar sentiments. We talked about Tony Scott. We talked about the director of Doom. We've even heard similar sentiments to from Martin Scorsese. He's been very critical of the uh, superhero movie genre as well as Matt Damon and. You know, these superhero movies, they've been made, for the most part, the, the vast majority of them have been made very well. And and they do very well in terms of universe building and storytelling. You That's undeniable. We can all agree on that, right? Like, that's literally undeniable. But if you're coming from their perspective, like, these are melon farmers that, you know, had hits on hits on hits. And they're from that old school Hollywood. Like, they're artiste to their core i'm not saying that w- what they're saying is good or bad right or wrong i'm I'm just trying to offer a a different perspective there's a case to be made like with all of these superhero movies you know the the goal now is to make as much money as you possibly can and what that means is you have to appeal to the broadest audiences that you possibly can which when you do that there's a lot of times where the art itself kind of suffers because, you know, on its surface, the bare bones of it, art is supposed to hold up a lens to society. It's supposed to be boundary pushing. It's supposed to be genre bending. And some of these superhero movies, they don't necessarily allow for you to bend those genres, for you to cross those boundaries. You, you know what I mean? You kind of got to err on the side of caution because we're trying to make the most money that we can. And I mean, look at where Hollywood has diverged. Now, I don't blame the superhero movies for that. I don't blame the millennials for that. That's eye-rolling. But I'm saying look where Hollywood is at right now. Like a, a movie like a Donnie Darko or like a Memento, that shit couldn't even be made right now. Like it would probably end up being like a 10 episodic netflix episode which as i said actually kind of sounds dope as fuck but y'all understand what i'm saying like the it's less art it's more kind of a like the movie equivalent of fast food i think that's where they're coming from i don't necessarily agree with everything that they're saying again i just wanted to play kind of devil's advocate here man and, and and give an alternate perspective because how good is this podcast if we all say the same shit you know no, what i mean that's, that's a fair point i mean and, and you raise some good points that the whole notion that comic book movies superhero based movies are all this same cookie cutter formulaic nonsense which i don't agree with but uh you know and that's i'm a, not even saying i agree with it uh, but no. i understand there's, where they're coming no, from there's, like there's a segment of the population like, that will say that absolutely the smart people aren't necessarily telling brand new stories. They're telling stories that are new to people that haven't heard them before and putting them on a grander scale, uh, on a grander scope. And who knew it took Christopher Platt two hours to really get into his vibe on a podcast. <laughs> Obscene finger gestures on here on the so why, 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 why the fuck am I here? Like, y'all know I'm going to say some some shit. Like, why, why am I here? No, I, I think like, Tony's just criticizing. Like, it took you a like, long time no, to get warmed like, up, Chris. I was just like, bro, we're two hours in and uh, almost two hours in and look at him go. Look, wow, he's going now. Damn. 
Yeah. Ray, you got anything else? You, you want to roast this motherfucker more? Or are you satisfied that we've uh, raked him over the coals enough? I mean, it's all good. I, I disagree with everything. I There's no difference between a superhero movie and a regular movie. Plot for, plot for plot. There's no difference. Just a story. Plot for plot. Plot Just for a story. Plot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what's, the story. Yeah, it's, what's the difference between any, any Marvel movie and Alien? What really Scott does in Alien is unfathomable. It's not possible in real life. What's Same the difference thing with between... what anybody does in regular movies. I just, I, 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 so it just, it, yeah. it's ridiculous to me that we even look at it like they're different. It's just a regular movie. What's the difference of Age of Ultron and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? There's no difference. There's a fucking hero <laughs> and then there's a fucking... Uh, okay, now I don't, I don't know if that's a one-to-one comparison. Achieve it. There's Thank no, di- there's no yes. difference between Endgame and Superbad other than McLovin, right? That, that's, that's what it really comes down to. But that kind of proves his point, though. Like a movie like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, I don't think that gets made nowadays. And I'm not thinking that they're talking about what's happening right now. They're talking about the future of the genre, of the art form, which <laughs> every art form has done this. When Once a motherfucker found something that worked and made money, that became the formula and then the art form itself ended up getting watered down. We've seen it with rock and roll. We've seen it with jazz. We've seen it with hip hop. Wash, rinse, and repeat. And I think I think they're using the superhero movie genre as a proxy for what they're actually trying to say. Maybe they're not verbalizing it as well as they should. But I think that they fear for the future of the art form. I disagree have- with what they're saying when it comes to the superhero movies. Like, we're all on the same accord. I'm just saying I understand what they're trying to say. That's all. But you act like it's multiple well, studios these... making superhero movies. It's two. Let's well, there's just two, two, though. That's kind of the problem. Guys, it's just we can, two. We can, we can sum this up and generalize it like this. A large majority and vast majority of successful movies over the years haven't been solely stories written originally just to go up onto film. They've been taken from other places and told on a bigger scope. And that's what cinema is to me especially american cinema so if you don't like it don't hate the player hate the game and move your ass on over to fucking whatever streaming service that'll pay you money to tell your story there it's about telling a story whether it's the first one or the last one it it doesn't matter it's how you do it well yeah i mean i think i think when you're at this point where (laughs) directors are going to basically use the superhero movie genre as a scapegoat for their own failures is is a, is a pretty bad leap of logic in yeah. my opinion. Um, let's let's and, get and, and Tony. I didn't even know the movie was out, bro. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, but you can't blame Disney, and obviously for obvious reasons. But I didn't even know you had a movie out, my dude. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Okay, uh, let's let's move on though because we talked Amazon Prime a little bit earlier when we talked about. Wheel of Time, we talked about the Lord of the Rings series is coming. So there's an article that's going on that that suggests that Amazon Prime might be making a Mass Effect series. I don't know how much you guys have played the games, if any. I've played them enough to know that they're fertile ground for an Amazon streaming series. And, and you know, when I think about it, I think Lord of the Rings and, and Wheel of Time, which are very similar as far as like the setting is concerned. Now Amazon Prime looking to spend some of that uh, that, that Jeff Bezos fuck money and turn in a, a, a space-based series on one of the most beloved video game series of all time. Uh, you know, 
first off, do you, have you guys played Mass Effect at all? What do you think about them turning this into a series? And and you know, is is using the streaming services to t- translate video game series into this live action media? Is that smarter than trying to make actual like movies, which have failed dismally over the years? I. I have not played Mass Effect. I don't think anybody besides you here has played Mass Effect. Uh, Ray, have you played suck, it? Yes, sir. Man. No, sir. No, sir. I, I know I've watched DP play it. I know he's played it. Um, this just this conversation lends itself to the one we just had. Because when you're stuck in an era of in a lack of creativity, it just lends itself to borrowing ideas and reimagining them in the space that you're good at, right? So... We just talked about the comic books lending themselves to telling movies, uh, to telling stories with the movies. Well, now video games are another avenue in which lend themselves to tell a story as a movie. So that's just going to continue to happen. Some of the greatest stories have been told with inside of a video game over the last 30, 35 years. And there's, there's zero question in that. So I always look forward to any time that something has been validated enough to someone put enough money behind it to tell that story in another light, whether it's not just the same story, but maybe just another Avenue in which the story is told. Yeah. Real, real quick. Um, I, I saw, I read somewhere that Michael Rain in space recently. Did they allow him to come back? Oh no, they didn't. He didn't mind the gap. Yeah. I was a little, I was a little nervous. There's, you know, are they going to let him, the brother come back? I'm not saying I'm just saying that that everybody missed that one. Hey, but Ray, Ray's the only one that caught that joke. No, I got the joke. It, my joke was just better, and nobody laughed. But no, but kind of what, but, but kind of Ray laughed at mine. I, I, I yeah, whatever. But <laughs> but kind of piggyback on what you're saying, though, Teddy man. Uh, uh, you know, concerning the previous property, man. It's or previous topic rather. It's not what you're good at. It's what works, and that's what happens with art when people realize and they find a formula that works, they're a lot less apt to take chances on projects that don't work. It, you know what I mean? That, that, that's kind of that, that that's all I was trying to say. And I'm not saying these comic book movies aren't amazing. They're absolutely amazing. Of course, but that that's all that, that that's it. But we, we can keep going. Well, I think before I kick it over to Ray, I just want to touch on something Tony has said there, which really resonated with me that some of the best, Stories that are out there have come from video games. And to date, there's, I can't think of one video game other than May, well, Tomb Raider to a certain extent, that is really translated over to the big screen um, where you could tell an engro- I mean, you know, why not tell the story of Final, Final Fantasy VII or, or some of these other things? You know, they're going to make a Last of Us series. That's coming. And that ought to be interesting. You know, more zombie apocalyptic shit like that. But. I, I mean, I'm all in favor of doing like Mass Effect in a streaming series like they're doing Halo. I mean, you talk about some of the greatest stories of all time. The Halo series is, oh, my God. But uh, Ray. Well, talk about the built in built in fan bases as well. Oh yeah, is a absolutely. Huge you don't have to go out and market anything. You don't have to spend anything on your marketing budget. Just tell the fan base, hey, uh, you know, Colonel Shepard. And we're going to make a series about that. And people are like, oh, shit, I'm in. You know, do Knights of the Old Republic as a series. Watch how that explodes. Ray Zelda. Ze- oh my Jesus. Let's not even get started on that. So Why have they not made a Zelda yet? That seems like a layup, right? Not saying they could do it well, but it seems like a layup. 
I feel like that's HBO Max's next yeah, great. Zelda would be uh, Zelda would be on. tough though because I think like and I don't want to you know take away from what I wanted to talk to Ray about, but I think just you know Chris brings up a good point. Zelda's a series that seems tailor made for some sort of streaming series. The problem with Zelda is at what point in the chronology do you bring that series in? Because if you do it too early, you know, you're appealing to one audience. If you do it too late, you're appealing to a different audience and maybe excluding certain other people. Zelda would be a tough one to place as far as the chronology is concerned. Um, but Ray, That's fair, but it has they, Lord of the Rings oh, potential. God, yes. You know Absolutely. what I mean? In terms of, yeah. yeah give me Ocarina, they, if, give if me done, Ocarina of Time well. as a series. <laughs> Take my money, which you're already taking anyway. But anyhow, uh, Ray, your thoughts on possibly turning Mass Effect. I know you haven't played it. But just the idea of turning video games into streaming series, maybe not so much movies anymore because that hasn't worked yet. But your thoughts about turning them into like a streaming sort of medium? Um, I'm, I'm along the lines of all of y'all. I think Tony was the first to say it, that some of the best stories of recent memory have been in video games. We talk all the time about how Injustice may be the best thing DC's ever done. It's a video game, you know, Um the Grand Theft Auto series, if you want to be more recent and more fantastical, are fantastic stories. So I, I think it makes sense. I just Googled a list of video games turned into movies. It's a lot more than we give cre- like credit to. Like, you mentioned the Tomb Raiders. There's been an Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender. The Resident Evils. Mortal Kombat movies. The two early ones and the newer one that just came out. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie that just came out. Silent Hill. Street Fighter. That god-awful Doom movie that The Rock did. Well, that that that's kind of what Dave was getting at, Ray. I didn't mean to cut you off, man, but he was saying there there have been adaptations, but most of them haven't worked. Well, and then you have movies like uh, Ready Player One and um, New Guy, mm-hmm. Free Guy, based yeah, Free Guy, but they're based around video games Brian and not Reynolds guy. and not pulled from a video game. So it, it, yeah, I mean that it's different. Teenage I, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, all the movies that comic Ray, franchise, but sure. all the movies that Ray listed, I don't think you could After list the video game. Well, you came out with the movie, right? You couldn't state any one of those that was exceptional, could you? I mean, I can't. Which, which I is mean, ironic. Go ahead, Ray. I apologize, man. No, you good. It's just we all. I can, more than half of them were exceptional. Our idea of what's good and what's bad. Did you enjoy the movie? Who gives a fuck if the dude didn't speak? Like he was in a Shakespeare. Who cares? Did you enjoy the movie? And mo- the majority of all those movies I mentioned, you probably enjoyed. Mortal Kombat, the first one in ninety, what ninety six, whatever it was, one of the worst acted movies in history. But you enjoyed it. What's the point? That's the point of movies. If which, you want to be I, upset I, I about not being able to consume the content in which they intended it to be, which is in the movie theater, that's fine. And say you're missing out on an experience, right? But don't be mad at where the stories come from because, you know, you can't you can't judge it as bad just because you don't like the medium it's at. That that's wrong. But it's funny because a lot of the new movies, the way that the movies themselves are structured, they're literally video games. Like what's the what's the Zack Snyder zombie movie with Batista and, and that was literally a video game. Literally. Yeah, spot on. That's true. Um, let's, uh, let's move on so we can wrap this thing up. Uh, birds of prey got, 
<laughs> kind of sort of censored on HBO Max. They, I guess, released the broadcast version by mistake. Yeah. And yeah. and then they're going to release the R-rated version subsequently. And, and I apologize for the, my stupid dogs going crazy. I have no idea what the hell their problem is. Uh, but I guess people started to get like concerned that you know, with these movies that have been released theatrically show up on these streaming services, they really don't have much control over which version shows up. Is that something you think you guys think we need to be concerned about? Or is this just a, a one-time mistake that we don't really need to worry about? Or, or, you know, what are your thoughts on this? We're all beaten down Peacock customers, right guys? But I mean, that's kind of go, go, no, go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. You got it. Yeah, because you're going to agree with me, and then you'll you'll tear me to shreds here. So, touche, well played for you. <laughs> but no, it's kind of like what I was referring to earlier, man, about how the art itself is getting watered down. Because you have to appeal to the broadest possible audience that you can. And you got to be worried about certain things. Maybe somebody might be offended by Harley Quinn flipping somebody the bird. So, we got to get that up out of there. You know what I mean? This is just is business and business and art don't necessarily always mix as a matter of fact business and art rarely mix i i just think it matters on the streaming service like clearly this was an accident it wasn't on purpose hbo max hbo is notoriously known for not giving a fuck what's on their stuff It'd be different if this was like a disney product you know like disney wouldn't put love simon on because it was a gay because it was about a gay love but they got Love Victor, the the, the spinoff show on Hulu. So I like if it was Disney Plus, I I could get it. Yeah, maybe it's something to be worried about. HBO Max. That was clearly it was clearly an accident. Tony, any thoughts? It seems like an just somebody fucked up. Nothing really to see here, but it did get uh, people on the internet all worked up for a couple days there. That's not hard. No. <laughs> True. That's something we can all agree on. <laughs> At nature of the beast, right? I mean, I think we can just keep rolling along here. All right. Uh, I agree. Not a whole lot to see there, but interesting how <laughs> interesting. Uh, wait, we all do wrestling podcasts, so we know something about the Internet. People getting worked up over absolutely nothing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ray posted this earlier in the week. I thought it was uh, worth discussing very briefly. Quantumania, also known as Ant-Man 3, has finished filming. I think they started in July. And they got done in November. That's pretty quick that for them to be done with principal shooting on this thing. Now we're into the post editing uh, section. What do you, uh, you guys got any thoughts about this movie is done in the can. That's a good thing. This is the, this is the reason Paul Rudd got sexiest man of the year because he got in shape for this movie. Apparently. Really? Hey, shout you know, out. He's been in shape for all yeah. the Ant-Mans, but shout yeah. out to Paul Rudd, man. He's been in our lives for thirty years and looks exactly the same. I'm, I'm, I'm here That's for true. Paul Rudd. That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm all in on Paul oh. Rudd. That's my guy. He still Paul looks Rudd like Josh and K- Clueless, yeah. right? Paul, Paul right? Rudd getting the Charles Barkley slash Carl Malone MVP slash uh, you know sexiest man alive award. Like, uh, <laughs> we don't need to really give it to one of the sexiest men on earth this year. We can just give it to someone who's been doing really good for a long time. Yeah, but word. I mean, I, I'm just going to say Kang's supposed to be in this one, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm yeah. Here, the weird thing to me is... Next year, we have Sexiest Kang alive. If we go in order, Spider-Man comes out next in December, then Thor, Love and Thunder next July, Doctor Strange in the, multi, uh, in the Multiverse of Madness next May. We know Black Panther has been shelled for now. They're going to 
put it in the back end. And then the Captain Marvel sequel, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ant-Man is Dude. the last movie listed. So it's really interesting that they finished filming two out two two years before the movie's coming out. That's interesting to me. Do you think they may hey, call it I... audible and, and bring that forward? Or will that fuck up the timeline completely? Probably. Well, that's that's the thing we don't know because clearly they make these they list these movies in a way that when it comes out, something that we needed to know about this movie, we saw another movie before. So with Black Panther being switched. Maybe they do kind of replace it and bring Kang earlier. I don't know. Maybe it's going to take them over a full year to do the CGI because a lot of this movie is supposed to be in the quantum realm. I'm not sure. I just find it really, it, not often in, in, the, in this world, you see movies fully finished shooting two years before they come out. That's very weird. I think this is a classic case of reverse engineering. This is the same way that the Chinese learned how to build a railroad. They 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 took the completed product and then worked backwards from there to figure out how to build it. I think that's what we're doing here in the MCU. We know exactly, or granted, rather, 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 they know exactly where they want to go, and mm-hmm. that's why the and the Ant Man is going to be the impetus for the next Avengers movie. So now we work backwards from there. So we know where we're going. So now let's figure out how we get there. It's not a bad idea. And plus, Loki season two probably is going to drop right before. So Christopher Platt just compared the MCU to Area 51 here on Bandwagon Nerds, folks, because we are reverse engineering the shit out of everything. But all that aside, it's 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 probably very accurate that they have known for a while. Hey, here's how we want to get there. Let's get this stuff done. Um, You know, it's like, well, like but like Ray says, Ray's right as well. You don't normally see movies get done wrapping shooting two years before they're supposed to be released. Um, you know, maybe maybe Kang does something and he's the one who snatches T'Challa and throws him somewhere. And and Kang's the reason why we don't have T'Challa in Wakanda forever. Who the hell knows? But it is. Uh, I thought it was very interesting because, yeah, I was thinking the same thing Ray was. I was like looking at the calendar and I'm like, wait a second. This thing's done shooting way early. And 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 that's very odd that they would be done so early on on a movie that most people are anticipating could introduce the next big bad could bring in the fantastic four could bring in mutants who knows tony well how how far you know uh, how long ago were schedules set for this though right in anticipation and the whole marvel schedule has been halted and elongated so it, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities that this was supposed to fall into something a lot earlier considering you know the circumstances it's going to be an interesting ride to see what Marvel does. I, you know, I think right now we're in an era where nothing is really etched in stone until it's etched in stone and everything. It's like the pirate code, all this shit are guidelines. There's no rules here. We're just dealing with guidelines here, but fellas, I think that is going to do it for this, uh, rather long edition of bandwagon nerds here. Post holiday edition. It looks like we all got our energy back from the Turkey coma we were in. I want to go around the, uh, the horn and let everybody know where can they check you out on social media. I know we're all under the Bill Walsh learning tree on this episode, but <laughs> I just want to know where uh, where can people check you out on social media. We will start with the voice of Chair Shot Radio, the one and only, the man who answers the plat signal sixty percent of the time. He answers it every time. He's a sex panther. He's a sex panther of this show, Christopher Platt. Where can people check you out uh, on social media, my man? Well, it's 65% of the time, Dave, but there's only a 50-50 chance of that. But y'all can find me right. on Twitter 
at the real C Platt. Again, man, thank you guys for having me on. I always have a ball every time I come on. So thank you guys. I love this show. Seriously, shout out to the 26 listeners because y'all know this is the best kept secret in podcasting. This is an awesome show. And ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. And that's all I got. Yeah, the 26. It's like the 300, but only 26 of you. Ray Cash, <laughs> Reverend Ray Cash. When you are not watching the Baltimore Ravens and, and doing 20 other podcasts, where can people yeah. check you out on social media? Sleep. Sleep? Damn it. Sleeping? Yes. Um, no, I'm at this Ray Cash, R-E-Y-S, Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Yes, sir. And, of course, the one and only, the commissioner of the Chairshot Radio Network, the one and only PC Turkey, I mean PC Tunney. Where can people <laughs> find you at on the interwebs? That's changing soon, right, Ray? I mean, what do you, what do, can we coordinate this month? Just trying to uh, really create- you want to do it? You want to do something together? Yeah, we'll we'll talk later in another. Okay. Yeah. Recording over recording on the second, so yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, you can find me at PC Tunny on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> what is happening? What's happening, <laughs> folks? The, the, that Twitter name means so much to to my good friend Tunny. We'll we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash, ban- or slash Attitude of Aggression. Uh, make sure you are, of course, checking out the official Twitter site of the Bandwagon Nerds podcast, which is at Bandwagon Nerds. We've got a lot of interactive stuff going on there. Ray Cash is going to bring back some Wednesday Comic Spotlight or Sunday. I don't know what day it is. I don't know if it Wednesday, is Wednesday Comic Spotlight, but the, the poll is Sunday. Are- the poll goes on All right. So we keep your eyes open for see. that. We're going to see what kind of crazy uh, craziness Mr. Cash comes up with because he's very unpredictable. But that's going to do it for episode 107 of Bandwagoners. <laughs> Hope everybody had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Now, get out of the basement. Stop eating turkey. Get out into the sun, maybe. And, and just get some fresh air. You know, you guys got to get out of the basement. Watch some of these great shows and these great movies we've talked about. Until next time, you've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the ChairShot Radio Network right here on thechairshot.com. Turkey for me, turkey for you. Let's eat turkey out of my big brown shoe. Turkey lurkey dee and turkey lurkey diddle. Chris Platt plays with himself with the fiddle. I need a few things from the grocery. Do things alone now, mostly. Left me heartbroken, not looking for love. Surprise in my eyes when I looked above. The checkout counter and I saw her face. My heart stood still, so did time and space. Never felt that I could feel real again. But the look in her eyes said I need a friend. She turned to me, that's when she said it. Looked me dead in the face, asked cash a credit, and I shizzed in my pants. It's perfectly normal, nothing wrong with me But we're going to need a cleanup on aisle three And now I'm posed in an awkward stance Because I shizzed in my pants To be fair, you were flirting a lot Plus the way you bag cans got me bothered and hot Please stop acting like you're not impressed One more thing, I'm gonna pay by check Last week, I saw a film As I recall, it was a horror film Walked outside into the rain Checked my phone and saw you rang And I shizzed in my pants Speeding down the street when the red lights flash Need to get away, need to make a dash A song comes on that reminds me of you and I shiz in my pants next day my alarm goes off and I shiz in my pants open my window and a breeze rolls in and I shiz in my pants when Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense I shizzed in my pants I just ate a grape and I shizzed in my pants
my pants. I went to the okay. my Seriously, pants. you guys, can we? Okay. I just ride in my pants. Year was 1987, or was it 88? Super Bowl was in Okay, does it really matter, Dad? Oh, okay. The year was the late 80s. I was 11 years old. Did you wear a helmet? Yeah, we always wore helmets in the 80s. It's bigger than Christmas. This is our Vietnam. I don't think that means what you think it means. I have no idea what it means. We're gonna get in so much trouble. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.